Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a cool episode lined up today. We don't even know what we're going to call this, do we? Nope. We'll no figure clue. that out later. Right on. So our, our guest is sitting on our couch, got this yeah. uh, half smile going on. It's not half. That's a full smile. That is smile. a full smile. You That's the biggest smile dude. I've ever seen in my life. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And yeah, we're hanging out on, what day is today? Monday. It's Monday. Monday. Kids went back to school. Life is becoming real again. And we're hanging out with Omar. Are we using your full name, sir? Yeah. Omar Lunen. Who, Crazy. When did we meet? I'm going to estimate 2015. We met through a mutual, right. a mutual friend. Yeah. I had to do a job that they were requesting one male and one female therapist. And Mark was unavailable to work. And uh, this mutual friend of ours said, oh, well, my, my friend Omar lives out that way. Give him a call. And hence started our friendship. So thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, uh, I don't really get a lot of opportunities to talk about massage therapy in my journey. So this is, I'm excited. So wait, what do you normally talk about then? Everything other than massage therapy. Like what? Give us, give us something that you normally talk about. <laughs> Canadian Idol. Uh, talk about Canadian that, Idol. Oh, man. <laughs> sorry, you, I didn't mean to jump right into that within the first like two minutes of recording. It's all right. Well, I see the thing is when I'm, when I'm at work, Especially when uh, where I work now, the clinic is always playing spa music, and because music is such a big part of my life, I know Mark, you also play. Yep. You know, you you play music. Um, so I say play music like it's just a sound. You play <laughs> instruments. You play the guitar and drum. I mess around on the drums. I'm actually just uh, I'm doing a lot of rudiments, man. I'm trying mm-hmm. to I'm trying to get my chops Back down. The basics. Yeah, and uh, I play play guitar. I play I play bass. I used to play trumpet. I played trumpet for like eight years. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask you a question since you're a music person? Because (laughs) I asked this to Mark. In the time I've known Mark, I've watched him go from novice drummer to actually really fucking good. And I know this is coming from somebody who's not musical, but this man taught himself how to play drums just banging on shit around the house. Yeah. And, sorry, he's looking at me like, that's not what I'm doing. To me, that's what it looks like he's doing. (laughs) But he's practicing, right? And I watch him put on a song, any song, like put his iPod on shuffle, put on a song, and he starts playing along with it. And I asked him one day, can all musicians do that? Just listen to like two seconds of a song and just jump in and start playing like that? I'm I'm going to... I'm going to sort of give you a, a blanket answer. If you enjoyed baking, you were the you were a terrible baker, but you loved baking. Every time you were around something or watched a TV show, you were like, okay, I should try that. You would attempt to do it. And the more you do it, the better you get at it, right? It, if you have a love and a passion for it, you'll feed it. And I think there is some natural ability as well, but I think as long as you practice anything, even if you don't like, if you're not the best musician in the world, you can pick up an instrument and at, at, with a lot of practice, you can get some fluency. But I think the more you practice it, the, the, the more you're able to say, okay, let me listen to something and I can emulate what it sounds like, or I can emulate um, something that I may have heard ages ago. I'm like, okay, what what, what is this again? Yeah, I, I I don't know if that that answers. Well, it, I mean, it 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 was a blanket answer, but it, I mean that does make a lot of sense. It amazes me though, having zero musical talent you for know? something <laughs> like drums. The answer is yes, because I think if as long as you understand, as long as you can do the math, because music is math. Mm-hmm. As long as you can do the math on a subconscious level most of the time that's what it is and you've got some degree of rhythm which people that are involved in music do 
then drumming becomes motor skills. Right. Right. My ability to go right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. That's paradiddles. Paradiddle, paradiddle. That's motor skill. So it started off like really, really shitty. And from getting stoned and sitting with my drum pad and my sticks <laughs> and starting at 60 beats per minute going right, left, right, right, left, right, left. It's a motor skill. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have that innate rhythm or that that taught rhythm mm-hmm. that you can that you can understand meter in time, then that's motor skills. Okay, now we're Which I think be... is very different than playing the piano or playing guitar or right. playing a, a wind instrument. I think that's that's a little different because naturally we all have a motor skill where we can hit shit, right? Versus the finger dexterity. That right. that would come a little that takes dexterity. a little bit of The only reason I was rep. asking that, and I know we're supposed to be talking about Omar, we're going to get back to it, but the that's reason right. I was asking that is because I did play trumpet. I was mm-hmm. really young. Like I was probably 13 when I learned to play the trumpet. And I could play and I could read music and I was okay. I don't ever think that I could listen to music the way that people with some natural musical ability can and pick out different parts. Mark made me appreciate mm. an 80s, what's that sound I hate? That, the synthesized, that new wave synth yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah, 80s yeah. New wave I despise synth- it. But in my defense, I was a baby during gotcha. that whole period, right? Like I'm, I, yeah, I'm but in, you, you like Motown, and you were, you were, you were not even born. You're your dad's balls. Okay, fine. <laughs> Did you have to? Yeah. Um, well, okay. So Thanks, John. We were hanging out one night, and he put on a song with that sort of '80s new wave sound that I really dislike. And he started picking out parts for me. He's like, now listen to the bass line. Mm-hmm. And then I could, with him sort of guiding me through, okay, I could pick out the bass. Okay, now listen to it. And as he was doing this, he's like, do you see how perfect? By the end of it, I was like, this is a really good fucking song. Yeah. And I hate that shit. So I you don't, I couldn't it, do yeah. it on my own. I think there's people who like your brain's just here. And because it's math, that's the perfect explanation. I'm not a but math it is person. Math, but, but it is math, but 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 a lot, a lot of times when you have, or it might feel like you have innate musical ability, you don't translate it into math. Like drumming feels very translated into math, right? Quarter notes, sixteenth notes, mm. thirty seconds. That's that's mm-hmm. that's that's a little different, right? I I think drummers think like that a little bit more, especially because you gotta keep meter, but. You know, most that like when I play guitar, when I play bass, I don't do math. I don't think about it. But you do the same thing when you play your guitar or your bass. That's what I'm saying. Like you just turn on the radio and whatever's on the radio, he just starts playing along. And I'm like, is this normal or like, are you really good at shit? I, I will. I will say this, and this is actually because I'm I'm now starting to learn piano. Yeah. Which I should have done a long time ago. It just feels so good to listen to a song and do that. But I haven't. I'm not at the level of proficiency where I can do that. And the guy who teaches does everything by ear. Right. Does he have perfect he, she? Yeah, yeah, he does have perfect pitch. Perfect pitch. And he said, honestly, there's no... First, well, we'll get to perfect pitch in a second. Yeah. But he said, um, we're talking about learning and piano. Bottom line, once you understand the behavior of music, once you understand if you play, let's say, a particular chord, there's only so many notes that will work within that chord. Once you understand how that works, then you can you can embellish yeah. the more that you practice. By the way, everyone, they're both looking at me and like schooling me in this and <laughs> I look like uh, I don't even, I, like I, I look like I'm learning another language right now, which I mean essentially it is, right? It, it absolutely is. Off the topic, you two musicians, you guys can rap on music or I mean, we can keep <laughs> going with this if you want. Um, 
Omar's here. Omar's also a registered massage Wait therapist. Wait a second. I wanted to hear about the perfect pitch. I wanted to hear Well, he your, said we'll your... get to that. No? Yeah, we can We can get to it now. All let's right, get to let's it get right to now. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, just, just so you're not so confused, I'll make it so behavior. If you, if you hear one note, you know that eventually it's going to head somewhere. It's just like if, you, if you're driving towards a light, it's either that light's going to turn red or it's going to turn yellow. There's only a few options that you have. And that's the same with music. Um, in terms of pitch... Uh, I mentioned being tone deaf, mm-hmm. and he said, I don't think tone deaf is a real thing, because okay. tone deaf means you can't actually hear the tone, which is false. You can hear the tone. You it's can't just, reproduce it. The problem is, if you were asked to sing the note, yep. you can't. But what if I played this note on a piano, yep. and you were able to play the play same the note, then yep. you're not tone deaf, because yeah. you, can, you, can, you know what Because that's is. like me. I can't sing. I can't. I can't, I can't reproduce something I hear with my vocals, right. but I can do that on an instrument. Right. No problem. The end. <laughs> now <laughs> that we're you. finished speaking Thank another you language. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you'd be really interested to talk to uh, my buddy TJ. We had him in our, on our podcast. He has synesthesia. Okay. Yeah. And so he hears, he, he hears sees, colors. He or, sorry, sees well, notes. He hears colors. Yes. No, yeah. it's, it, isn't it that he sees sounds? Like, Sounds become colors, but to the, him. but when you hear him talk about it, because it's all jumbled, yeah, yeah. like he, he hears, hears colors, colors right. right? So and he hears things in in chords, like he like like a major third or a minor third are consistent colors for him, mm. right? It, it's actually really trippy. So when he's producing music, he'll sit back and say like, you know what, this needs a little bit more red. And everyone's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, like, he's like, "No, no, no, no." I okay, put it right on my sorry. track, bro. Yeah, he's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. it, 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 this needs to be a minor third here. It'll make song sound different or better, whatever the case yeah. is. And he, it's, it's trippy. It's mm. trippy as fuck. But anyway, it, that was really interesting to listen to. Even though, as I said, I know nothing about music, but listening to him talk about like the way that he produces music, I'm like, whoa, it's fucking. Crazy. I, I get, because I guess the reason music is, is such a big topic is because, and I'm glad you brought up Canadian Idol, um, it's my other profession. It's been my other passion. And I love the fact that both music and massage have an element of healing. Obviously, you know, massage therapy, you're doing direct manipulation. You are literally putting your hands on people. You're affecting their energy. You're affecting mm-hmm. um, their their daily living you're affecting their quality of life you know and and in the moment you're affecting obviously tissues joints um, nervous health all that fun stuff um, with music you get the same thing um, so I'm glad that I had the ability to do jobs that I love so mm-hmm. songwriting and performing and all that fun stuff and I, I, I'm a living testament to doing what I love and feeling like it's not work for real that's awesome I love being around people who are just very relaxed like very I don't even know what the word is. Like just people who like chill, n- chill, chill is a word. I mean, but... right now I'm chill. <laughs> you caught me off work. I don't, I'm like a <laughs> well, typical I mean, West there's, Indian. there's regular stresses <laughs> of life, but there are certain people and certain people's energy and you can feel it. Or at least I feel like I can, I can sense it when it's somebody who every part of their day is just life. I'll give you an example. That's so basic. This uh, girl that I met in university, uh, she was very independent from the minute I met her. Like I, kind of like really like admired her. She just kind of, whatever had to be done, she just fucking did it. There was never a complaint out of her mouth, never anything. It was minus 30 outside. She'd get up, she'd put on 17 layers of clothes and she would walk her ass to class. Whereas the rest of us were bitching and complaining. The bus is full, this, nothing. Like it's just for her, this, this is just my life. This is just what I do. And 
I love that kind of laid backness. Maybe in there's people. some sort of other fucking chaos in her life. I think everybody everybody's got everybody has everybody's chaos. Got their own, but I just mean her energy maybe. always came off as there was there was just never a lot of complaining. And I mean, I knew I knew her pretty well, and I still like you know I I don't really know her. We keep in touch, but still, it just seems like you know she's got two little kids, and I have two little kids, and I understand the chaos of having two little kids. And I'm not saying she's not stressed. And I'm not saying her days aren't hard. But she just does everything in such a way, like so graceful and so happy. And so I, I just look at her and I'm like, man, you were just like the most chill human maybe being. Maybe she is so hurt and broken inside. I really don't think so. <laughs> That's a possibility. I'm not saying maybe. it's not, but I really don't think so. Maybe she's got like a really good ability to build this wall. And you, you never know. You never do. I don't really know why we're like arguing about what she's feeling. But inside. I, but I do understand. What, I do understand <laughs> what like, you mean. Wasn't because... this about people who who have a good energy, and you're trying to make it I, like, oh, they're tortured inside? Not, but uh, no, I do you're understand dark, what you mean dude. because I get really, really jealous. Like the like I did a one on one coaching thing today with this uh, with this gentleman, and he didn't have a case on his iPhone. And I told him, I'm reckless. Like, I, him and I had I, a whole discussion I, about it. Actually. I told him, I'm like, I'm jealous of you right now. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you are, you, you are so comfortable and relaxed and brave mm-hmm. that you don't even need a case on your phone. Like, if I have a scratch on my screen protector, I go mental in my head. I'm like, I, I, I got this fixed. I got, I got to get a right, new one. Right. And this guy's walking around with no fucking case, probably okay. putting his phone into the same pocket with his keys yep. and not even worrying uh, about a thing. And I'm yep, just like, I'm yep. like, are you fucking kidding me? That's freedom to me. I got a little baby and she wears a diaper. And you know what? She just pisses and shits all the time. <laughs> Very freely, and every time she does, part of me looks at her and goes, "That's fucking freedom, man. Yeah, man. That's fucking freedom." Because well, you know, sometimes done, let's go defecate on a parking lot <laughs> wherever we want. Things, things just took a really weird turn. Why? All I was it's trying freedom. to say is, freedom. I love the fact that my vision, based on what you just said, is that you get up every morning, right. and sure, yeah. there's going to be days that you're like, "Fuck, I don't want to treat," because everybody has those days. But you come across as the type of person that, like, okay, today's a treating day. You just get up and you go treat. All right, today I have to go to rehearsal. Today I have school. Today I teach. Like what you know, the plethora of things you do. I don't even know because we haven't seen each other in so yeah, long. How many things you do now? But. I like that. And I, I strive to be that way. I don't necessarily get jealous of those people. I'm like, that's what I want to be. Like, I just want to be like, this is my life and this is what I do. And when shitty things happen, you know, like my Wi-Fi is not working or whatever, like I have to say to myself, like, this is not something to be upset about because this shit's going to happen. You know, like, let me just carry on with my day. Let me solve this problem and keep going. Gratitude, defining moments. The two things that just popped into my mind in, in relation to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody's got their own shit. You know what I'm saying? You got bills. You got debt. You got, you know, children shitting and pissing all over your house. <laughs> You've got... Freedom. That's freedom right, right there. You know, you, you, there, are, there, are, there is a myriad of things that you can think about that could stress you out in your day. Mm-hmm. But it is up to you to actually say, you know what? If this is part of what I've chosen in my life, I just have to be at peace with it. It's going to throw me off at times. It's going to annoy the shit out of me. It's going to, you know, make me question why I tried to do it in the first fucking place. But at the end of the day, if you can look back and say, you know what, like, for example, I'm doing my bachelor's of adult ed and digital technology. I knew that it was going to be a uh, relatively short journey, but two years, two and a bit, 
you you can't predict what's going to happen in that time. You know that there's going to be assignments and there's going to be homework and there's going to be um, group work that you have to do. And I hate group work. I loathe it because you got to chase people to do stuff and you got to wait on on their schedule to make sure that uh, it's annoying. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm going to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to look at that and say, you know what? I'm going to have those few letters beside my name and I did that. So I'm at peace with knowing that I've got to enjoy the journey, not mm-hmm. just the end of it. So I, I wrote think... a I wrote a letter exactly stating exactly that mm-hmm. um, on our blog. It was actually called a letter of gratitude, and I started off by saying like this is the best place in my life I've ever been, but the fucking hardest. Oh, like yeah. everything about what's going on in my life right now is crazy. It's just crazy coming at me from every angle, but. I've chosen this and I'm going to enjoy getting to the place where things aren't so crazy. Yeah, and yeah, there's days where I probably don't handle it as well as I could. But Which I think is, of okay, this girl yeah, yeah. that I went to school with, you know, trudging through minus 30 while everybody else is complaining. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like yeah, that. Yeah, but see, I'm different because I like the chaos. Even in those moments where I, I, I kind of fucking just hate it. I secretly like it. Like, I like feeling on edge. That is a sensation that I thrive on. Okay. So, like, that's what I mean. I will never be that person who you describe. And yes, I'm jealous of the idea. I feel you used to but be. I, I, but, I, but I'm not that. No, I feel, I I feel you I used to that. be. I feel you used to be. I feel your style of work has changed. Not necessarily in a bad way, but I think it's because now... You and I run the two businesses. We have the podcast. Isn't it funny that the two of us are partners in everything and we have such different ideals of how, but I mean, both of us agree that we work completely differently, um, but it is true. He likes, he likes the crazy. I like the chaos. We'll be sitting in here and we've got 7,000 things to do. And you know, I'm going down my list and I'm doing my things and he's over at his desk and he looks like he hates every second of it. And so I'll say to him, why don't we take a lunch break? Let's take 10 or whatever. No. He's like, no, I'm not taking a break. The break is my reward when I finish everything i'm like yeah. whoa i like, I like, like it done he like likes the, the adrenaline he likes mm. the crazy whereas i'm like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take a quick hour and go do some yoga i'll be back mm. <laughs> like mm. we work very differently functioning at a different level of stress yeah it may take a little bit more pressure for you to feel like all right yeah i'm getting some accomplishment done and i, I that's i feel like i'm at that level constantly mm-hmm. because i'm i'm i i am a singer and a songwriter and I'm a massage therapist, and I want to teach, and I'm going to school, and I'm a dad. So all of these things have me functioning here. You get it. Yeah. yeah. And running a couple businesses, and you guys are always doing things, but how you manage that stress and how you function optimally, everybody has their own zone. Yeah, it's true. And you have to figure out where you work best. And definitely, I, I'm a little bit better when things are a little more mellow. Hmm. Which is funny because I think I used to be different. I think I used to be the person that functioned better up here mm-hmm. and now I've moved down. And I think Mark used to be here and he's moved up. I don't know how this role reversal happened. But, but somehow you balance each other out. Somehow it works and we haven't killed each other. So it's <laughs> working pretty well. Well, because I, I can't go from – if I'm in – if I'm in work chaos mode, then I'm in work chaos mode. And I'm happy to be there. When I'm in a lazy motherfucker, don't do anything, and I'm happy to be there. But then it's a struggle to go from one to the next. It's easy to stay in one spot. It's easy to stay in chaos mm-hmm. and thrive in that. And it's easy to be in mellow and love it. To go from mellow to chaos, that transition sucks. And to go from chaos to mellow, that transition sucks. I don't like the transition. Gotcha. But what do I know? All right, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk 
talk about the RMT stuff because sure. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Tell, tell us how long you've been in RMT, where you're working now. Give us the career path uh, okay. with the RMT. Um, how far do you want me to go back? Like from day one to... I yeah, mean, just a synopsis? I want, I wait, wait, you... wait, wait, wait. If, let's start day before day one. Before we put the headsets on, you told us uh-huh. how you even got into this profession. And yep. I think that story is so gold for okay. male therapists. Female, I think that's so good for people to hear. Okay. Um, I'll just say that my journey in massage therapy is still happening. And there have been some really great highs and some really low lows and some things that I've, I've had to shake off. Um, but I'm still learning and I still love it. Uh, before I got into massage therapy, I actually wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Um, I had a, do- uh, pardon me, a great uncle of mine who taught uh, at Howard University in the U.S. And both of his daughters are doctors. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, somebody in my generation should be a doctor. I could do that. I, I don't mind school. You know, I think I'm pretty smart. Uh, so in school, during, you know, grade 10, grade 11, still have no idea what the hell I want to do with my life. I'm like, I want to be a doctor. And when somebody actually sat down with me and told me, these are the prerequisites that you need. This is how long school's going to take. And it's going to cost this much. I'm like, first of all, I don't have six figures. And I know that my, my grades are not this high. So I may need to pivot <laughs> about another career path. And she kept bringing up other things because I do enjoy people, enjoy sciences. She said, okay, what about nursing? I'm like, does nurse sound like the most sexy profession in the world? And of course, I, I'm not taking away from, from male nurses at all. This, this was grade 10, Omar. Well, I mean, grade 10. I'm, I mean, you're, you're just trying to think, all right, well, what am I going to do that's going to possibly impress somebody? Guess what? <laughs> I'm a nurse. Nah, it's not it. That's not hidden. So um, I just actually had a problem with bodily fluids and angry old people. I don't know if I could sponge bath Mabel mm. or see what I'm saying and deal with that at the end of my day. So they mentioned massage therapy and I'm like, I don't want to work in a spa, man. And the, the counselor actually said, you know what? If you think that that's all massage therapy is about, then you need to do some more research. Who is this counselor? Right? She was a bit of an earth muffin, to be honest. She was a bit of a... I've never that. heard that term before, but I might use Earth it. Earth muffin? Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, and you've heard that term before? No, but I can... <laughs> <laughs> Dig it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was totally into holistic everything. Okay. And uh, I mean, she also... Once again, I picture... Have you ever seen Grown Ups? Yes. Rob Schneider's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I picture that. That's the <laughs> yeah. lady I picture. Anytime, and his daughter. Anytime someone yes. says, says like, uh, hippie, Earth, Earth, Earth Muffin. muffin? Yeah. Earth Muffin. Earth Muffin. For real. Tree hugger. Yeah. You know what? She she was just very connected and um, was, was very into holism. So she said, all right, well, take a look at it. Take a look and see what, what it involves. And even reading, Centennial was the first school because it was closest. I was like, let me take a look at, at, at what it offers. And, um, you know, I did my research on a bunch of other schools. But I said, all right, let me go to the orientation. And I will never forget because this man, I love this. He's such a beautiful soul and such an intelligent individual. Uh, Mark Fox. Um, was one the only male instructor at that orientation. This was in 2001 when I first started massage therapy. Or sorry, 2000, the summer of 2001. I went to the orientation and they said part of the prerequisites were to get massages from other RMTs. Well, not other, but get massages from RMTs because once you appreciated the client perspective, it would make you a better therapist. And I thought that was beautiful. And I said, I love that, but I don't want no guys touching me. Period. Point blank. I don't want no brothers rubbing on me. 
And Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Don't take this wrong. Are you Jamaican? I am Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think I, that that may have a may have something to do with it. I think it's got lots to do um, with it. But as far as the conversation was concerned, Mark basically said, "Okay, well, you know, there's only one of two things. It's either you think that the therapist is going to get turned on, or you might, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge." And everybody laughed, and I was like, "No, no, no, that's not it." And he said, okay. Let me ask You're you. like, it's option one, <laughs> motherfucker. It's option one. Yeah, so he basically, I get it. he asked me what my doctor's name was. And the minute he said that, I knew where he was heading. Um, and started asking, why do I go to see the doctor? And was listening to my reasons and said, okay, everything that you mentioned, nothing was sexualized. And you had a male doctor, yeah? I had a male doctor, mm-hmm. Dr. Andrew Chung. So he said, yeah, whatever your concern is, I would strongly encourage you to sort that out. Because guys have muscles and they have money so you're literally cutting off your potential clientele because of a problem that you have sounds like discrimination to me so both of those things sort of was like oh say it again so i know it's real Ah." (laughs) so i i the first massage i went for first one ever i said i'm gonna bite the bullet let me go was a visually impaired massage therapist named abby Every time I sell, I say this story, Abby, I'm going to find you. You changed my life, man. <laughs> um, I went to see him, and the fact that he was blind helped with my bashfulness. I was like, all right, you're not going to see me naked. We're good. <laughs> so as, <laughs> as, as I'm on the table and, and, and he's treating me, we're talking about his journey in massage therapy. And I was like, you must be like, you must make a killing because, you know, your hands are so good and, you know, your, your, your skills are so, so heightened. And he said, well, that's still only one aspect. Like, remember that. There's anatomy, neuroanatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, massage theory, massage practice. Then you have your gen eds. Then you have outreach. Out of all of these things, not all of them have a visually impaired supplement. So imagine having to learn anatomy without a braille book. Wow. And that's just one course. So it took him a little bit longer, but he did it. But uh, while he was talking to me about, you know, these these hardships that he had being, you know, a blind massage therapist, he said, you know what, does this does this hurt while he's working through my back? I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, well, you kind of stopped breathing. The, that moment, I was like, you're a fucking massage ninja, bro. <laughs> I want to be a massage ninja. That was literally the nail in the coffin for me. That is what made me want to become a massage therapist. And then in my journey, um, like I started in 2001, but I had to leave because I was doing work, school, music, and then I moved out on my own and had to survive. It's like, I can't do all four of these at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I went back in 2003 to make sure that I was focused and ready. And I graduated in 2006. Had a conversation with um, with Mark Fox at the time and with um, the coordinator at the time, who was Ann Longman. Love that beautiful English woman. <laughs> Very. <laughs> she was older. She went to school. And through Centennial also, I believe, got her master's in, uh, in business. But uh, she basically commended me for wanting to have a conversation about teaching and said the only thing that I can tell you is just know that it is a journey and to teach is to learn twice just make sure that you're patient and make sure that you put your professionalism before everything make sure that you really understand your craft any moron can read a book and ramble it off to somebody but that's not teaching and Mark also said you know what I gave someone an opportunity and they fucked it up I'd like to give you an opportunity don't fuck it up so he allowed me to TA with him um, so this is two years post, he allowed me to TA with him, um, with the year one students and the year three students, which was 
amazing just sort of seeing them come and seeing them leave and what type of information they acquired and it was it was a wicked opportunity working with him alongside the same guy who I had the first conversation with in 2001 but TAing with him at Centennial it was it was a really dope opportunity yeah um cool. what else happened from there I was given the opportunity to create my own anatomy course for kids I'd say teens, so they were in between the ages of um, maybe 13 and 16 at the London School of Death. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but I don't want to walk away from this Of course, yeah. Your guidance counselor says, massage therapy, think about it. Yep. And you think about it. You're like, I'm going to go to this orientation. I meet some people. They sell me on this. Mm -hmm. I go get a massage. They haven't sold him yet. They've they've basically made him take a look at himself and realize that he's, uh, you know, possibly possibly got some issues to work out. Blind dude, ninja. You're like, I want to fucking be a ninja. Perfect. And I'm okay with males touching me. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. What did your other male friends think about you going into massage therapy school? They thought it was pimp. They're like, yo, girls are girls are paying you to touch them are you kidding <laughs> yeah massage therapy is dope they're like you're a pervert and i'm like no i'm not man <laughs> that's not what it is at all it's not neon lights and tinted glass it's not what oh, i'm doing what people think we do right, right? for real <laughs> but i mean at the end of the day they they understood and they're like yeah you, of course you're a massage therapist sure but so they didn't they didn't see it the same way you did then uh, i think initially i think that's just that's just, I mean, my closest friends are like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But I mean, you talk to anybody else, you get this. And the minute you mention your massage therapist, you get one of two responses. Oh, I got a spot right here. Or you're a massage therapist, eh? Yeah. It's 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 one of the two. Or Seriously, I mean, people who go exactly, to massage therapy. Yeah. If you are, if you are in massage therapy and people have appreciated it, then they'll want to have conversations about, hey, what do you know? And what? Uh, it gets a little bit more intellectual. Some of his male friends might have had the same attitude as him, but. At the end of the day, it wasn't them becoming oh. massage therapists. It yeah, was but I'm just curious if they would have expressed that, like, "Yo, dude, what are you, what are you going to get a let other men touch you up?" And actually, I know, when that I happened like that. while I was going to school. That happened in 2001, in my first year. I was working some shitty telemarketing job, as we all have at some point. Um, maybe not everybody, <laughs> but some <laughs> shitty job. And one of the the team leaders was like, "What do you go to school for? Massage therapy." Yo, do you massage guys and their asses and stuff? It's like, well, glutes are muscle, aren't they? Yo, you're a Batman guy. Oh, what do you mean? Yo, yo, you're touching up guys and blah, blah, blah. And I said, all right, let me ask you a question. You got into a car accident. You are partially paralyzed, but it's fixable. Your doctor says you need to go to massage therapy, and that'll help you. You're telling me you're not going to go to me to help you walk again because I'm a guy? Oh, okay, all right. I, I guess I understand that. So once you once you add a logic... To the whole situation. And still, I have guys who come to me now mm-hmm. who are hesitant to go to a male massage therapist with the same mentality that I had when I started in 2001. Mm-hmm. And the minute that you start talking about professionalism, what's going on, you point out the issue, all of that disappears. Can I ask you a question then? Yes. Yeah. On the same lines. I've met many male therapists in my career, and I've met some who are like crazy successful, busy practice, and I've met others who are not as busy. Mm-hmm. And I've heard the excuse many times from the not so busy male therapists, oh, it's because everyone wants a female. No, that's nope, their nope, attitude. No, nope, right? nope, nope, nope. I, 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 well, par- partially it is because I, I also have witnessed um, many therapists, it happened to me as well. 
people get turned down. They're like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting a male therapist or, you know what I mean? That First will, of all, you looked at the website, happen, yeah. motherfucker, you saw that my name was Omar. How many women <laughs> do you know? I mean, hey, now everybody could be named whatever. I Sure, whatever. But you knew that I was a male massage therapist. Mm-hmm. You booked with a male massage therapist. And now that you've come in, it's like, you didn't realize it. So I think that that does have something to do with it. But I think it also has has a lot to do with understanding and respecting what they do. If you can go to a doctor, if you can go and get a pap from a male doctor, that's more we that's more than we will ever see in our profession. That's true, eh? Like Period, there's so many blank. my my gynecologist was a male. Oh me. I didn't think anything about it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they they will literally exam examine it pardon me um they will do an examination on every angle of your body and you won't think twice about it because you know and respect their profession mm-hmm. so if you know and respect what the individual does then you won't if somebody said to you yeah you may have a problem with the male but you know what this guy has helped my sister my mom this person you know had a problem with their shoulder blah 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 you'd be like okay i might consider that guy you know, i think there's i think there's a little bit more to that too because you're you're not going to see your gynecologist in a dimly lit room with soft, soft music, music playing. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? It's got yeah, a different I mean, vibe there's... to it. So well, yes, I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. It mm-hmm. doesn't make a difference when it comes down to this on a medical standpoint. And then for you, when you ask that, I think there's such a small population of people that have a problem going to see a male mm-hmm. therapist that it doesn't affect your business. Well, well, and that's what I mean is I feel that I've known so many male therapists and the ones that are really successful I think the only difference between them and the ones that are not who are saying like, oh, it's because so many people won't see a male. I, I've worked at many clinics where I will answer the phone and the person will say, I prefer a female therapist. And it, it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree. But as Mark said, I think there's a much smaller percentage of the population who feel that way. Right. And the difference between you guys who are and... busy and the ones who are not is this attitude of they don't want to see me because I'm a male. Like it's this bad attitude of I'm not getting busy because I'm a male therapist. You know what though? And I think that small population of males or females that only want to see a female therapist is equally matched by males and females that only want to see a male therapist. I don't think that has anything to do with it. No, I don't think so either. Right? I've been at the clinic so many times. It's like, I don't want to see the female therapist. I want to see a male therapist for reasons that don't make sense. Yeah, you can do more pressure than she can. Well, that's not the case at all, but okay, come yeah, see me. Think do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I actually remember a, a pivotal moment that I had because I was working first Cairo that I ever worked for, Dr. Patricia McCord. I love that woman. Literally, she is like a ninja in heels. Like <laughs> she's she changed my whole perspective on looking at the nervous system and chiropractic as a practice mm-hmm. and as a as a massage therapy and, and chiropractic uh, complementing each other. But I had a client after many people kept coming in, and I would come to the front desk and see them like, oh, I didn't know it was a male. I had somebody come in and they had shoulder problems. And as they were talking about the, the issue, they're like, oh, well, I don't want a massage therapist. I'm like, all right, well, good luck getting your, your shoulder taken care of. Mm-hmm. And the receptionist was kind of taken aback, like, oh, that was a little snippy. And the client was like, that was a little rude. I'm like, well, I don't mean to be rude, but let me ask you a couple questions about your shoulder. Um, just, just to be clear. And after answering a couple questions, she's like, you really know your stuff? I'm like, yeah, I do, but I'm a, I'm a male massage therapist. Excuse me, I'm heading for lunch. <laughs> I'm just like, eh, I, really don't, I really don't care. As far as the ignorance is concerned, yeah. if you want the help, if you know that there's somebody who knows their craft and will help you, 
cool. No, that probably was not the best way to handle it. I can't remember if she booked or not, but I just I just do remember that that conversation was enough for me to say, you know what, I'm confident in my so, skills, and if somebody wants to help and, and, and they want to know what I can do, cool. What would have been the better way to handle that? What was wrong with the way you handled that? I'm going to play devil's well, advocate. Well, I mean, maybe I, I, sh- I shouldn't have been snippy. What I should have maybe done was approach her and said, okay, let me ask you about the shoulder first, tell you about what I know, give you an idea of what skills that I have to help you with your shoulder and what I might be able to do if I had the opportunity to assess you and get you on the table. And once they understand that I have the knowledge, that supersedes anything and any problems with the dimly lit room and the problems with that intimacy issue or intimacy idea that they may have created before getting into a room or even the idea that I may be ogling them on the table. So the only time that I think, and some people may disagree with me, the only time I think it's justified for somebody to not want a male massage therapist, if totally, like if if male doctors, male therapists, male de- if they don't ever want to see a male, because maybe they've had some sort of trauma. Maybe yeah, they've sure. been through some sort of abuse or trauma and they don't feel comfortable being alone with a male and that's just their personality, For fine. reasons, sure. Yeah, so I mean, in, in that case, fine. It's totally acceptable to not want to see a male therapist. If, if you're going to be uncomfortable, the treatment's not going to be effective anyway. So okay. I, I, it's fine. And so that's where, I do agree with Omar. Not that I think you were even that snippy, but yeah, maybe instead of being snippy and offering education might have been the better approach because you don't know why that person is so... like is objecting so hard to seeing a male, right? right. So I didn't have to be. I didn't have to yeah. be like, bitch. I want to touch you anyway. I could have just been <laughs> like, all right. Well, this is this is what I'm doing. But just to sort of add to your point, I I I don't necessarily think all of those cues need to be in place. Mm-hmm. I really respect and understand that at the end of the day it's a matter of preference it is it's a matter of preference Shift and a matter skippy, of comfort whatever. yeah you know what i'm saying like <laughs> if you prefer to go to another female because skippy. that right if that just makes you more comfortable in the environment cool no yeah. problem that's that that's that's your but i am comfortable yeah. enough with my skills to know that if if women don't want to be turned down for opportunities because of their gender I can't take it personally if I also have the same thing happen. I just have to prove my worth. I just mm-hmm. have to prove that I am also able to take care of these clients and take care of their concerns and even overcome these concerns or, or objections based on w- whatever may be superseding um, the whole male-female therapist thing. Yeah. Do you think it's more men or more women who have objections or you think it's equal? I think it's pretty equal. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I think so too. I had a probably somewhere in his mid sixties, a year old client, this uh, Italian guy. And he came to see me weekly. And the first time he came in to the clinic, he specifically requested a female therapist. And I just happened to be the person he got. And when I said to him, you know, like, I totally fine to see you, but just so you know, the guys that are here are really great. And, you know, just trying to like make him understand, like when you come in, any of us can take care of you. Right. And so we had this conversation and he said, I totally respect that dear. And I'm sure that all the men that are here are fabulous, but I am, I think he said 67, I'm 67 years old and a man, another man has never touched my naked body in my entire life. And I don't think I want to start now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Then. Understood. All right. I you get on the table. <laughs> I, I remember that I also had sort of the, I had an awkward moment with uh, you know, when clients they're they're you're, you're about to start the massage and they want to drop trowel before you even leave the room to go mm-hmm. wash your hands. So I had this one guy who was um, I believe he was Russian, 
And we were talking about the concern and did my assessment. Everything was bang on. He's like, okay, no problem. So I said, okay, this is how you get on the table, whatever. And he started, he literally started dropping trial in the room. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go wash my hands and give you some time to like do your thing. And he looked me dead in the eyes. He goes, we are men, yes? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you uncomfortable about, bro? <laughs> yeah. what, what's your problem? Like, we're, we're men. We should be okay with just doing the the work that you I think our discomfort though I don't know about you but I know my discomfort comes from the professionalism I know that I am not supposed to be there while you are right. getting naked and so yeah I've got you know elderly women and sometimes not even I've got one client she's probably my age or a little bit younger and she comes in and she's she's down to her bra and panties before I've even said three words I'm like how did this happen like right. she right. just you know strips all her clothes and I'm like okay 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 and I close the door and I'm I'm out so she right. can change but I think the discomfort comes from it's not weird for me to see another woman undress it's weird because I'm not supposed to be there right and I think also just uh, where we are culturally, it's very different. In Russia, I'm pretty sure like y'all, y'all drop trout, roll around in the snow, go do as many hydrotherapy things as you want. Cool. Here, it's just like oh, taboo. Yep. You've that's showed a big, you're that's showing a, a shoulder. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a huge part of it. Yeah. But I'd also get out of that room not just for the professionalism aspect, but just because I I would hate. To have someone say something that didn't happen, and now I'm there to try to prove that it didn't. Well, that and then, again, ah, that goes I'm with. Glad the, you brought that up. That goes with the professionalism, like we. Know but I mean, it's, what it's a little bit. Ha- it's a but it's a little bit more than just like you know. This is this is not something that I'm supposed to be here for. Okay, maybe it's I'm like, not using the right yeah, word, but that's okay. what I mean. It's because if the CMTO was just hanging out at the front of your clinic. Yeah. And you were standing in the room while your client undressed, they'd have questions for you. Well, okay, let me ask you a question. Doesn't patient consent trump everything? I don't know. I'm asking. I don't have the answer. I'm asking your opinion. Does patient consent trump everything then? No. If your patient says, you know what? It's okay. Don't have to go anywhere. I'm fine with it. Give me the form. I'll even sign it. The reason I say patient consent doesn't trump anything, because again, when it comes down to standards of practice, can we just treat somebody completely undraped? Can we do lomi lomi and be touching a girl's breast tissue with you know her what? completely undraped? That, in, for the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, their original, not the original, I don't know what the original is, but their draping standard prior to the one that they have now was confusing as fuck because there was many bullet points to that. And some of the bullet points... We're contradicting each other. In one bullet point, it says at no time should gluteal cleft or genitalia be exposed, except for, you know, birthing and doula work or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. The next bullet point says client can be draped however they want to be as long as they're, they're requesting, they're comfortable, and you as a therapist are comfortable. Those are two completely different points Those to are me, very, right? very different points, right? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when I always read that standard, I was like, you can't read this from one point to the next. You have to look at these as separate things, separate items each at a time. So then right? the answer to your question then in that case, if that's how it is, but that's not how that's it's written anymore. How, that's right? not, that, they've, yeah, they've, they've changed it all now, yeah. mm-hmm. but that's how I would have interpreted it. Yeah, I would have interpreted it if clients, you're, if you're yeah. comfortable being naked on the table and that was your request and I was comfortable with it, then I interpret, I would have interpreted that standard as being it's okay. To your point um, about the male massage therapist thing, I'm, I'm going to stay on that for a second. Yep. Um, I, this was a conversation that I had with a colleague, um, a, a relatively new graduate, um, just talking about the dynamic in the room 
and you know what things to just keep in mind uh, being a male therapist. And I said, all right, well, uh, he did ask the question about having problems being a male therapist. And I said, you know what, L- let me just start by saying this. Out of almost 15,000 massage therapists in Ontario, we are still a majority or minority. Male therapists are a minority. For sure. Mm-hmm. And regardless of whether or not you understand it, you care to see it, you're on that side of the mirror, being a black massage therapist makes you even more of a minority. For sure. So like, you are literally a unicorn in the massage therapy world. And I'm not saying that to make him feel special. I'm saying that to understand <laughs> that in our, in our circle, that small little bubble of male massage therapists... We have had the greatest impact in the last three years, particularly referring to that new standard change with draping and things like that. So not, uh, not draping, but the consent of um, sensitive, sensitive areas. Sensitive areas, yeah. Right. So every single time that you walk into a room with another therapist, you better, or with another client, you need to make sure that your professionalism speaks volumes. You know where that whole consent thing spawned from? That came from Bill 87 Protecting Patients Act. Yeah. And that came out of years before that, there were a whole bunch of medical doctors that were being accused of touching their patients inappropriately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the media, I talked about this on a previous podcast, the media took it and spun it so badly because what most people don't realize and whether the media knows it and chose to ignore it to create a story out of it, or they just didn't know, is that every regulated healthcare college has their own process to deal with complaints, yeah. right? And so it goes to the complaints committee. There's nothing published until there's a decision that is made. Mm-hmm. The media gets a hold of this and they're like, medical doctors are all protecting each other. They're protecting each right. other. The general public should know if someone's been accused of something. I should know if a doctor has been accused of touching someone inappropriately. That way I know if I want to go see the doctor. You doctors are protecting yourselves. That's the way the media spun it. Mm -hmm. And then there's also been another huge trend in where people stopped or slowed down complaints to the colleges for sexual abuse and now have started a trend of going straight to the authorities. Right. Which now, everything, <laughs> which now everything becomes public, where right. it would not have been in the way the colleges previously handled these issues. It's still, it was still public. Like, I, I still would see issues in, like, the College Standard, for example, the, the, the magazine that they would give us. Guilty. Someone, now they publish allegations of sexual abuse. Oh, no, they did that before, too. Oh, they absolutely did. I, I remember that there were allegations. There was somebody who had their license revoked because of an allegation way back. And remember, because so of if, because of the uh, the process yep. with the CMTO, my yep. understanding is that, um, of course, if there's a complaint, you have 30 days to respond. But the college has to respond in turn, which means that if there is a, if there's an allegation, you have to stop practicing until we can investigate this completely because we don't want to risk anybody else in the public having this happen. And then once we have make the decision, then then we can move forward. That depends on what the college feels the severity of that is. Of the issue. Exactly. So sometimes they'll impose limitations right at the time of the allegation. Sometimes they won't. And to be honest with you, when you look back at the previous um, decisions, especially things centering around sexual abuse, it was very, very lax in terms of the punishment or... or or the discipline punishment, mm-hmm. terrible word. The discipline that they that they set out. But now it's a fucking shit show. And guess what? You should be scared a little bit. 
You should be fucking scared because at the end of the day, it's your word against somebody else's yep. and you got to prove yourself. And even when you do do everything to prove yourself, sometimes it goes nowhere. I have a previous student, very quiet. I mean, I don't know him, know him, but I knew him as a student. Very quiet, meek, respectful guy. Mm-hmm. And he called me one day in fucking tears and i'm like this is years removed from him graduating and being a therapist and i'm like what's going on man he's like i need a character reference letter and i'm what are you talking about he's like I need a char-. i'm like well you have to tell me what you're talking about here he's like i've been charged with sexual assault mm. and i said okay tell me the story because I want to know what I'm getting. And I told him right off the bat, I'm like, I'm only speaking to what I know of you as a student. And he was working at a spa and this lady he treated at a spa, he got full consent, did everything proper according to him. Mm -hmm. And the lady tipped him a certain amount of money. She seemed relatively happy about everything. And then a couple days later, she complained to the spa that he touched her inappropriately. The spa, to their error, did nothing, kind of brushed it off, which didn't sit well with that lady. Right. Weeks went by. She now complained to the hotel where the spa is in. Mm. But her stories changed. It's not he touched me here. It's he touched me here, 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 and here. The hotel says now to the spa, you got to fucking do something. Right. So they fire him. Right. Right. Weeks after she went to the hotel, she calls the cops. Right. And again, her story has now compounded. It's changed. It's changed. It's changed. He got charged, went to court, found guilty. He swears up and down, did not fucking do anything. Mm. It's crazy. It's really messed up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even know where to where to begin in that situation because a character reference is one thing, but I would say this, and this is typical practice from the beginning of when I when I became registered till now. If I feel like there is a there is something that could be off in the dynamic of the the client meeting the the interview, yeah. um, the assessment, the treatment post-treatment wrap-up, any of that stuff, I'm going to make sure that I have enough people around me that I can rehash the, the, the situation with and be like, okay, well, just so you know, this this is what was going on in the room. Yeah. And this is what happened. And make sure that I also have witnesses that are around me yeah. that can see what the demeanor of this person is like. And I'm not looking for a problem. I'm just making sure that if I, if I see something that's off, I want to make sure you see because mm-hmm. I could be I could be wrong. Maybe there maybe she's high on PCP. I have no <laughs> idea. I, hey man, it, shit's legal now, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You could have smoked a you could have smoked a bag of ooey before you came in. I don't know, yeah. but I want to make sure that there are witnesses that will see what's going on. And at least if a situation like this comes up, now I have somebody else who's like, nah, I was here and I saw this. Because it's fucked up. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not even like I don't have my license anymore and I can't practice. He has a fucking criminal charge, a sexual criminal charge. And it's also public information. Exactly. He's he's a sex offender. He's a sex offender. His life is fucking screwed up. There was another case that I saw relatively recent, and when I say relatively recent, maybe within the last year and a half of a therapist in Kingston who the, 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 the patient was on the table face down. After her massage, she went to the authorities and said he had his bare penis out and was rubbing it against my arm boom went and charged him went to court you know what came out in court and the judge believed him it was his lotion bottle that was in his holster that was rubbing against her arm 
Kingston ain't the biggest fucking place in the world. Right. That guy's name was all over fucking Kingston. I live in Toronto and I know that story. Mm-hmm. You can't recover off no. of, uh, even though he's found not guilty in a court of law. Mm-hmm. You can't recover off something like that. What, the problem, the biggest problem with stories like that is people only hear a piece of it. And it's because we are uh, we are in the age of misinformation. People mm-hmm. will hear a story, and regardless, you could post the exact same story changed, but minutes later, and people will have already made up their minds. Yeah, for sure. So I I, I, I totally get because people would have already talked about it, formulated opinions about it. Yeah. And then when they hear the story, some people who are rational will say, "Oh, okay, I get it." Others are like, "No, I think that's somebody made that up. Someone's trying to cover them up. Someone's trying to." Nah. This is really interesting listening to you guys talk. Since we usually have other female therapists mm-hmm. with us when we do these kinds of episodes, because it's so opposite for us. You know, the female therapists, we're worried about, you know, the creepy guy coming in off the street. We're worried about being the ones who are getting touched inappropriately or who, and you guys have to walk into the room with a completely different mindset, making sure sure that you're not alone, that people can hear you, that like, it's so different for you guys. Like when I, I even think like, you know what, like you're turning the patients turning you're doing everything in your power to keep them covered mm-hmm. and they expose themselves accidentally or on purpose whatever the case is mm-hmm. i'm like uh, like that, that that alone could put me in a fucking weird spot it's yeah. the weirdest vibe ever cuz i've had this happen to me and it pissed me off so much. I was working, I talked about this in another podcast too. I was working in a clinic and I was treating this person, you know, maybe on a bi-monthly like, or a couple times a month or whatever the case is. And she was a regular patient. And then one day the clinic owner is like, can you come to the office? I want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, did you walk into the treatment room when so-and-so was changing? I'm like, absolutely fucking not yeah i'm like the only time i walk into a room is after i knock on the door and i get the permission from that person that they're decent and i can come in and he's like that's not what she said Mm. she said you flung open the door and she was in the middle of changing and i said if this is the day you're talking about i knocked on the door she said it was okay for me to come in i went in she was sitting on the chair fully changed putting on her boots which is a completely different story than what he than, then, what, yeah, then than what he changing. was told. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it, it definitely happens. And of course, it, here's here's the, the the gray area. I know that older clients, we can all agree that older clients usually have a little less care when it comes to sure. changing, getting on, getting off the table. And most of them are just like, I had one lady who was like, oh, I don't even care, honey. I have like six kids. Uh, doctors have seen every angle of me. <laughs> That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable. So I'm going to get out of the room and you can do what you got to do. Uh, but we still have to be very cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. Because if so, and, and I, I don't, I don't like fear, just perpetuating fear. Yep. And I think there's a lot of that with with dealing with clients but also attached to the cmto I, I i don't care to worry too much i know that how i conduct myself speaks for itself but i do have to make sure that i'm very aware of how i conduct myself particularly since 80 percent of my clientele and 80 percent of my students 
are going to be female. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about the CMTO? I don't worry about the CMTO shit at all. I, because you know I feel like they're so fucking disorganized. And I've seen some of the decisions that they've made on past shit. And I'm like, you dropped the fucking ball on that. Okay. I feel like they dropped the ball on so many things. And like, I, because of the courses that we run here, I get a lot of people that come in saying, I need remediation. I need remediation. Can you help me with this? Can you? And I'm like, well, what's the problem? And they tell me what the problem is. And I'm like, this is not a remediation situation. You should probably have your license taken away. So if that's how lax they are about a lot of things, I don't fucking worry about them at all. I'll I'll give you, I actually had an issue with the CMTO. I had an issue with the CMTO. This was in 2008. Are you comfortable to talk about it? Absolutely. All right, let's hear it. Uh, So what had happened was... I had a friend of mine who was trying to refer clients to me. Okay. So I was like, okay, I just went on the CMTO website. Well, she hit me up in a panic, actually. And she said, okay, I was trying to refer clients to you. I looked at the website, and it said that you were your license was suspended. I was like, the fuck it ain't. <laughs> I know I paid my registration fee. You can, you can directly kiss my ass because I know I paid my fee. I have the receipt for it. So when I, I logged in and looked, it said... Um, suspended for non-payment of fees again. So I called and they said, yeah, well, it's because you didn't pay your CEU renewal um, for your cycle. So I was like, that's also stupid because I know it was late, but I sent, I mailed a check with everything that I had to send in. This was before they did everything online. So I sent it all in and I'm like, I know I did this stuff. So this is now, now mind you, this was in, let's call it August. So I, I get everything together. They're like, well, have as much proof as you can, blah, blah, blah. So all I needed was like the check stub from my booklet mm-hmm. yeah. just to prove that I, I wrote the check and I mailed it. So I went in and had a conversation with um, somebody who was very important at the CMTO at the time. I'm going to keep her name out of this because mm-hmm. I still have issues with the way that she handled it. But nonetheless, she basically listened to what I said. I said I had proof that I mailed the check. Here's the check stub. And she said, you know, we have people that come in here all the time that you, I don't know if you wrote that today. There's no proof that, that you didn't write right, that Right, so it's just a check stub. It today. doesn't show that you actually put it in an envelope and sent it out when you said you did. Absolutely. Right. So she said, and we also sent you uh, a couriered letter from the CMTO to your home that was signed for. I was like, there's no way it would have been signed for and received. I never got it. And I was living at my, at, at my family's place at the time. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, unfortunately, that's on you to be able to figure out what happened with the letter. But do you get your communications from the college? When you pay a registration fee, do you get your your license? Do you get your, your updated sticker? And by updated, they mean the same. The same sheet. fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> same they submitted on day shit. one. The yeah. same photos that don't year. look like us anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she said, if you get those, then why didn't you get the registered letter? It doesn't make sense to us. So the decision is going to stay. It is on you to be able to figure out what has happened, even with that signature. So I called Canada Post. I got a copy of the signature from the CMTO, and it said Jay Brown. James Brown ain't my motherfucking uncle. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a Jay Brown in my family. My last name is not Brown. I don't have any relatives with the last name Brown. None of my neighbors have the last name Brown. Who is this? The Godfather of Soul. Well, signed for my shit. <laughs> oh my! You, you know God. what I'm saying? I had problems with him too. <laughs> Black Thundercat looking. Anyway, so I basically contacted Canada Post, 
and they did an interview and it came back inconclusive, which means that the individual who got the letter signed couldn't prove that he went to the right house, yep. nor could he prove that it was my house. Yet, I still had to, one, eat the re-registration fee and a penalty. I paid almost $1,600 just to get my license reinstated, and I had to pay for what would have been a free professionalism course just because they wanted me to understand how important it was to make sure that I send in my things on time as a professional. Did you get a lawyer? I did not. And at the end of it all, now, the other problem, which I understood uh, was a little bit deeper, was while I was suspended, because they sent the letter in April, I didn't find out to log. Oh, so you were practicing, you were practicing. without a license. I was practicing while suspended, so they also tried to double-ding me to say that I, was, I knew that I was suspended, and I was practicing while I was suspended. So I had to clear up all kinds of stuff. So when I actually sat down at the end of it to wrap up, I was like, all right, y'all gonna, y'all gonna get hell and brimstone when I sit down to explain what was going on. And as I was talking, they basically was like, okay, you know what, Mr. Lunan, just so you know, this is a wrap-up. We're just letting you know the why behind what we did and what you've learned from it. And I was like, well, what I've learned is that you guys have gone way over the top over something that was really, I didn't molest anybody. I didn't do anything inappropriate. What you're trying to say is because you didn't receive something that I know that I sent. Mm -hmm. I was not only ding $1,600, but I also had to take a professionalism course. And you, you made me out to look like, like somebody who should have been handled for molesting clients or something like that. And all they said was, well, we just want to make sure that we're holding everybody to a high standard. If you know about timelines and how important those are, you have to send in your things on time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, then tell me to send my stuff in on time if I, if I send it in late. Guess what? I don't, I have bills and I have issues like everybody else. You see, this is totally fucked up and you're absolutely right where they went way above and beyond and hunted you down. And I wish you had a lawyer because they totally bullied you because I've, like I said, I've seen some of the shit that they've made people do on things that should really be of of a much higher level of discipline. Right. Like, because there's money involved on this. And I believe I was also in the college standard for having my license suspended. And it was on the website as well. So it's like, so, so, so things, so I, I'm not, I can't take it out. I can't say the CMTO is the problem because it is run by people and everybody has their own understanding and own expectation of how things should run. That's completely fucked up and I think it's because a registration fee has a lot to do with it because I know a dude who came to me who got peer assessed and more than half of his peer assessment was pure shit. It was brutal. It was fucking brutal. Not even sure how he has a license the stuff that he was was not doing or the oh, stuff he was doing incorrectly. You don't understand. It's insane and and he brought his report to show me because he had to, he had to take a whole bunch of of courses and then he had to do a whole write-up he's like i need help with this and i was like okay well i need to see what they said here and more than half of his 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 peer assessment was garbage his answers to everything were like what the fuck is going on right this is someone that you should say you need to really rethink your license or we need to really do something about this individual right this person should be suspended not okay well go take this course and go take this course and then write us a letter and let us know what you've learned mm. and then we're all good you didn't even have this problem what you didn't do, what they think you didn't do, was pay them some fucking money. And even even the government the doesn't punish you that much for 
this, this, this is what I'm trying to say. And I, and I get that we're trying to make sure that people are respecting our profession, that we're being seen as a credible type of um, healthcare. We're not an adjunct therapy. We are a credible form of, of healthcare. I understand that we're, we're trying to change our, our, even our assessments and they're changing um, the registration to make sure that we are removed from it. They, they're actually uh, getting an outside company to do that. So we are, we're the only profession that still self-regulates and self-governs. So we're trying to step away from that. But I think it's way too, uh, you guys are really, you're pushing that professionalism envelope and trying to be way too stuffy with people who are, like, we are not doctors in so, in so But I just that, don't see how not paying your fees affects you as you a, have, a professional. Well, this, is, this, is, this is my point. I'm like, I don't see why you need to drop the hammer so hard. You have such a good point here. And a big part of this is overcompensating because we're not that other profession. It's to say, you know what, well, we're a regulated college and we have regulated members. And yes, we're part of the medical community. So we're going to go so hard above and beyond and overcompensate here. So let me let me let me make let me give you a direct reference. What's the penalty for regist- for sending in your reg- or paying your registration fee late? Uh, Two hundred bucks, maybe. Isn't it a hundred? Maybe a hundred. This 200? year, this year it was a hundred, but probably because they bucks? raped us on the okay. initial registration fee. Right. So because I didn't send in my CEU, they automatically suspended. I'm confused on this. What do you mean your CEU? So remember, so for your CEU, for your CEU your cycle. So oh, you didn't. You didn't submit for your your reporting. I, I, I submitted my reporting and I paid, so both were sent in. I sent them in the mail. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I but didn't, so I didn't go. I didn't go to the office. This didn't have out. anything to do with your CU cycle. This is all just about non-payment of fees. But this is what they're saying. It's because they did not receive my CEU cycle or my fees. They didn't receive either of them. Well, then they're, I, I mailed them they're, in oh, together. They're confused. But my point is, yep. if it's a hundred dollars, if you miss your registration fee, well, it used to be two hundred probably. Why are you paying but it anyway, twice? Yeah. What, what, and and I get suspended because you didn't get my CEU cycle. There's something way off about that. Me not paying to practice legally in the province, you ding me a hundred bucks. But for not receiving, oh, well, you didn't keep up your skills. Suspension. What? That does that. There's a complete disparity there. There's something way off, man. Especially because the whole quality assurance program and continuing education, uh, the way they operate. It's such a bogus fucking thing anyway. I know people who have been therapists for almost a decade who have never done any continuing education, but yet they report that they have. Yep. Every year they report, they've read, they've done something, they've done blah, blah, blah. Because all you really need to do is just satisfy whatever they say. Because are they going to investigate? Do you, do you, is anybody going to come out and test you that you did read this book? Absolutely not. And not even that. Not even just read a book. It, it takes any bonehead with a fucking printer to print up a certificate yep. that I got yeah. from this fucking thing right. and then reproduce it, right? It happens all the fucking time. That's why there's, there's, there's been a lot of blowback on, on their continued education. First of all, people that don't do continued education, they love it. They're like, yeah, 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 I don't have to fucking report shit anymore. Right. Right? And... But it just, I understand why now, because people that are going to fucking cheat the system, they're going to cheat the system regardless. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to do it fucking anyway. Now, as far as the, I I will say though, I've had to understand that I don't hate the CMTO. The CMTO is just the regulatory body. They're disorganized. I need to understand everything that I need to know about the CMTO and understand who 
runs each section and yep. hold them accountable. If decisions are being made incorrectly, then I need to hold the people who are making them correctly, incorrectly responsible and make sure that they're held accountable for that. I find that there was a lot of anger and, you know, fuck the CMTO. That happens a lot. But the CMTO is not making the decisions. It's the people who are running yes. the CMTO that are making the decisions. We just did a podcast with Nick. Uh, he's a therapist. He's retired now, but he's still well in the industry. Mm. And that was one of the things he was saying is like the CMTO is so fucking disorganized. It's not funny. It really isn't funny how disorganized they are. Yeah. And I see I see that they're making that they're making movements to get. A big part of it is the fact that we need a lot more people to be more involved. We we can, you know, I can complain till the cows come home about what isn't being done, but the last time that they asked for, um, the, the, they were in, in Whitby and had a, had a town hall, the last time that they called massage therapists to give feedback, there was less than 10% feedback via email when yes. they were asking for stuff. Yes. Which is like, okay, it's frustrating from a college perspective because if we are not... Give, if we are not talking to them directly about the problems or telling them what changes that we want, yep. they're just going to make them based on the people who have come back, who, who've, based on the information that they have, whether it's from clients, from the public, and from the few people that have said So it. I want you to look at this from a different standpoint. Sure. And I'm not saying this is right or this is wrong or you're right or you're wrong, but let's open up a different door. Mm-hmm. And the different door is we are an organization. And as part of an organization, if we are going to change bylaws, if we are going to change policy, we need to survey our members. Mm-hmm. If I'm that organization and I know this is what I want to do, guess what? I don't fucking care what the membership feedback is. I have to survey the members. And therefore, so I can check off the box that says, we did our due diligence. We surveyed the members. I feel do you like... think if anyone, do you think, okay, one, there's not a hell of a lot of people that responded to the sensitive area thing. And that bothered me a little bit too, because they did send out a survey. Nobody fucking responded. But yet when they actually published the whole thing, then there was a petition. So it's like, okay, too fucking little too late at this point. But then I'm also thinking your draft that you made isn't really different from the final draft months and months later. So So that tells me you had your mind fucking made up. When they did the quality assurance program changes, it was the same thing. They had uh, um, focus groups and what they said in February February, what they showed to the focus groups to say, this is our work in progress. We want feedback. Mm. Guess what? It's the exact same thing. No different that they published in July. It's no different. So is the focus group real? Give us feedback. We want to know feedback. Or is the focus group check the box? We did the focus group. So, I mean, it could be either way. But going back to Omar's point, is it also now just this vicious cycle of like people are so fucking dissatisfied and let down by the CMTO that that when they send out these surveys and whatever, it's almost like therapists, especially seasoned therapists are like, Fuck it. And they, I, you know how many therapists tell me the CMTO emails come in and they delete them before they even open them? I they don't open, even look at them. I read everything. You I, do. You I do. do but I'm just shit. saying the number of therapists who I think don't feel like they owe the CMTO anything. And then, as you said, when then decisions are made, they get all up in arms like, what are you doing? Why is this happening? But they don't even read the stuff that comes out. How many therapists do you think even knew about the focus group in February? You were there. How many therapists even knew about it? Because they don't read the shit that comes out. So now it's this vicious cycle of like, 
I'm disappointed with the way that they're doing things. And the CMTOs maybe, whether genuine or not, saying, well, let me get some no, feedback right. from the members. You're right, you're right, you're right. And then there, there, I'm not giving you anything because I don't care. There is a huge cycle here because like no one checks what the college does. Like, no. for example, the quality assurance program stuff, the new stuff, was published forever ever on their fucking website forever and in those facebook groups i kept seeing things like what are they doing with the quality assurance program i haven't gotten an email on this what i'm like check the fucking website it's actually been up for fucking months right right um i i, w- I want to touch on something just because we were we were sort of flirting around the idea you were saying the individual who had the uh peer assessment who, yeah it was absolutely terrible horrible okay um i i am not the best massage therapist in the world. I am not the best teacher in the world. I've okay. got a lot of learning to do. Okay. I have enough integrity to understand and know that if there's something that's really wrong, I gotta really I've gotta hold myself to a certain standard. I have seen problems, especially now with the um, the new way of registering, which is all competency based. Yep. That's a problem. And how schools some schools are letting students through the door <laughs> and they're getting registered and there should be there should be no business with them passing through either exam successfully. So this is a perfect place to plug the fact that we're going to discuss you this very topic have in a few no days. Fucking idea. I, I, matter of fact, I do. Well, yeah, like, he, no, no, I mean, he's I also really worked do. in schools. No, no, I'm gonna. <laughs> but, but, but you, you work. But are you're at a community college? No, but he has no, been I'm, in I'm private. I'm just going to school now. He's okay. been in private. He's worked in private schools. I have. So, Two, as a matter of fact, that perfect. I both, I both walked away from because of their. I've questionable professionalism. You don't even understand. I had someone come in here to do an OSCE prep because he needed help preparing for his board exams. He has a diploma from a private career college registered with the ministry. He's never touched anyone before. Didn't know what effleurage was. I'm like, you have a fucking diploma from a from a, from a someone from a gave school. someone gave you a diploma right. and you've never t- I'm like student clinic he's like nope I'm like massage therapy class practical class nope never touched it see and that that for me that that feels like that would be a mandatory reporting thing um but my so I'll give you two two instances one private school that I worked at I was um clinic director yep and great opportunity I I learned a lot um, I, I had to leave because there were some questionable things, just integrity-wise. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to stick around because I have a feeling that some some bad things are going to go down as far was, as it. Were the, were the schools that you were at just massage therapy schools or were they, were they private career colleges that had a whole bunch of different programs? Um, they may have had some other programs going okay. on. Okay. Just So, clinic supervisor. Going around on my shift, uh, there was a client on the table who had severe ankylosing spondylitis. So, I mean, this this individual had to literally turn their entire body to address you, to say hi. Mm-hmm. So, you already understand bamboo spine. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to understand what you got to do. The student therapist who was a senior student about to graduate had this client on the table with zero pillowing. And the headrest was probably just, you know, standard on the table as well. And was doing a bunch of really, really crazy A to P techniques. And I, I, if I could have strangled him, I would have. Because just in terms of protecting the public, yep. I'm like, look, you, 
how do you have this client who clearly can't even stand without discomfort and you're positioning them on the table with zero support? That's that's a basic standard. Mm-hmm. Pillowing, draping, that's a standard. And I get really, really upset with people who are like, oh, well, what if a client doesn't like pillowing? I don't give a shit if you like it, if they like it or not. I don't give a fuck if you like Jif or Skippy. You know what? We're using one of these today. Why? Because it's protecting you on the table. This is going to prevent your body and your spine from hurting worse, from mm-hmm. you cramping, from having any other issues, negative, negative reactions while you're on the table because of, and even worse, because of the, the, the condition that you have. So I walked in and I'm like... I, I tried my best to be professional. And then when I spoke to a senior about it, it was just like, oh yeah, well, don't worry. Just, you know, just make sure that this and this and this. And I'm like, for real, this you're, you're accepting of this. You're understanding of this. Okay, cool. Well, not, now I got to go because you really don't get it. Matter of fact, the second school I worked at, um, I was trying to help with some curriculum design and they had a course outline. And I said, okay, well, let me see what I can do about helping with the design. When I looked at the curriculum, it literally was just this. On the CMTO website, every school has to follow a criteria, all the criteria that you need to meet for the college and for the ministry, mm-hmm. and all the all the the, the separate uh, the separate bits that you need to be able to say that you've satisfied the class, um, and all the all the course objectives, um, all of that fun stuff. So all they did was copy the objectives, <laughs> put them on a piece of paper, and under each point they put exam test project and somehow that passed as a school curriculum and they were able to open a school that translates into you know somebody at the ministry or you're working with one of those curriculum they're not curriculum companies homie i don't even think it's that deep i literally think so the ministry does not really understand massage therapy so if they were to look at that and said okay here's here's their title page this says curriculum is done they'll flip through it and say okay this looks like a curriculum cool i don't think that somebody is on the board that will scrutinize and look through it and say okay well to this postulate what are you doing in the class what objectives do you have in the class Mm -hmm. what things where is your evaluation where is your assessment what it makes absolutely no sense that nobody actually looked at this thing and said this is this is what you guys are passing as curriculum yeah and when i addressed them on it they thought that i was trying to gouge them for money because i'm like you guys don't even have a curriculum you don't have a program i actually have to design your program for each of the courses that you have you have nothing you literally just said exam test and and project and and because you threw that on a piece of paper somebody said all right cool you can open a school yeah, this that's, conversation just that's makes me up. sad man like We always talk about the fact that massage therapists are not taken seriously and it starts with the education. It really does. It's so sad that there are people coming out with a diploma Mm -hmm. and they have no idea about basic principles. As Mark said, this guy coming in who didn't know what effleurage was like that is that's not like, okay, you know, the school fucked up a little bit. That's Homie, like, that's did you even go to school? Yeah. Did you even go to school? (laughs) If you don't learn that within your first year, something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong. That is a school that says, you know what? You can just pay me whatever, and uh, this is what we can do here. Why would I know this school very well? Why would anybody want to do that? I mean, there are people. We uh, we do a free education night every what two months here, where we usually have two speakers. You know, they speak for about an hour or so on something that we think that our people might find interesting. So the last uh, free education night. 
we had a fascial stretch therapist do some demos and it was pretty fun. And then we had another, uh, another, um, person here talking about, uh, identity theft, which is like so random, but Mm -hmm. you know, just interesting for people to hear about. And there was a woman who came to hear these two speakers and she had been a massage therapist for quite some time. And she went to one of these type of private schools that basically just want to take her money and in exchange, give her a diploma. She started, I think she said when she started, they were already four months into the program, but nobody told her that she was joining a class that had already been learning for four months. And they, uh, when she, you know, confronted the school, like, okay, these people have been in for four months. Her response was, oh, you'll catch up. You'll, you'll catch up. Don't worry. You'll catch up. They'll, they'll catch you. Four <sighs> months. You'll catch up. Anyway, the more her and I talked about it, it, she went to the school not knowing what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. But people who go to these schools and stick around after seeing, you know, that you're not learning anything, Mm -hmm. like, why do you want to do that to yourself? Because if, if I'm the student and I feel that you're unethical practice is going to be a benefit to me, then I don't care. That guy that's never touched anyone that probably paid how many thousands of dollars to get his diploma, he didn't give a shit. He just wanted the fucking diploma. And then he would go find an OSCE prep course like he did, and he'd hope that it would fucking help out. I had students at one of the schools that I was at, they had nine months left. Seven, nine, I can't remember. And they were leaving that school when they they found out I was leaving, because they, I don't know, they really liked me as their teacher, and they just didn't want to be involved if I wasn't there and they went to another school oh, I remember and that school said we can finish you in two months and they came back and said they can finish in two months they're so happy I'm like that's bullshit it makes no fucking sense you have a minimum of seven months left because I can't remember you have a minimum of seven months left this is impossible. Right. They and they went, went and finished in they, two months. They got a diploma two months later. Yep. It's fucked up. Yeah. And I mean, everybody yeah. sitting in this room, we've all worked in massage education. We've all worked in schools and we've all seen some of this shit happen. It just, yeah, we're doing a, we're doing an episode about it later this week or early next week. I can't remember when it's set up with another uh, person who's worked um, in the administrative later side. Later this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I worked in the administrative side as well. I, I was the director of admissions at a private career college. <laughs> so, I mean, my job was the money, right? Right. And, and the money the money speaks volumes. Also, having to, you know, run a class um, for an advanced class of people who already had, you know, certification as sports therapists or chiropractors or whatever. Um, having a compressed class to offer somebody a certificate in less than a year is is nuts. It's nuts. Um it yeah there's there's a lot to be said for looking at the quality of the programs yeah. and holding those to a standard but making sure that the ministry and the CMTO are aware of these things and can say okay well if you have a course we should be taking a look at what the course is i know they they've totally stepped away from saying okay well we approve or disapprove yeah they don't approve courses but anymore but they should they they should they actually well, should I mean, be able they're... to look at the course and say, hey, you know what? Not not approve it as in we co-signed the course, but mm-hmm. approve it as in somebody actually went in, looked at it and said, this was actually a course that we say that uh, is, is credible enough that you can take. Well, that's the whole point with the, the the national accreditation that's happening. Right. That's underway, that they have like a five plus year plan to have all the schools um, approved through a third party accreditor to say, yeah. 
it meets the interjurisdictional competency standard. And anyone that that doesn't have it by time the deadline is, they won't be able to operate. Right. But then what is? I mean, I go to one of these schools. They're really shitty on the education. And I pass my exam. Well, that's part two of our problem. I said it starts with the education, Mm -hmm. but we've talked about this as well with um, therapists. We've had therapists here who have been longer than you. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the the changes even in the examination process. It's... Yes. I, I know I said this on another podcast, so not to be so redundant, but I had a student when I was clinic supervisor and every part of me felt like I don't even want this guy touching clients. I didn't feel he had any idea what he was. I would, you know, I would show him things. I would tell him things. I, you know, I would try to teach him. And it was like every week I was telling him the same things over and over and over again. Like, are you, are you hearing me? Are you even trying to learn? And, um, I got a, I went on my maternity leave. I got a text message from him when I was on maternity leave that said, guess who's the newest RMT? And I was like, God help us. Like, right. how did you pass the exams? Well, the, 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 um, I have not, I mean, obviously it's been a long time since I've done any of the, uh, the registration exams, but even to think, you know, how, if you are going to remove RMTs from the testing, how does somebody actually gauge an effleurage? Like, are you flying your hands all over the client and you're saying, okay, well, it's a broad stroke and it looks like they're flushing. Okay. Competency means that you are competent. You understand, you should understand the skill, not just be competent enough to perform it. Not competent enough to just flail your hands about and that looks like it could be a technique. There has to be... Four-year-old can effleurage. You see what I'm saying? There has to be some <laughs> basis of technical technical skill. And again, this is... this is I'm speaking blindly. I, I haven't looked at the criteria based on the CMTO standards for the new OSCEs, but looking at the quality of therapists that are coming out and knowing, as you said, they have the five-year rollout plan. Cool. In five years, we have that plan, but God help us in within the five years with all the people that are literally being run through the mill because some school just wants to retain the money from second career or OSAP. It's 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 yeah. terrifying. Like I said, this, this conversation just are... makes me so sad yeah. because when I went to massage school, I already had a degree in kinesiology and I had only been out of university so I started massage school 2008. I graduated kinesiology 2007. Like I, I wasn't that far removed from school. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have had the option to do an accelerated course. You know, I had a degree in kin. Why not? But I chose to take the full two-year program. I went to a private school. So it was two years, not three. Years was three, correct? Yeah. So I went to private schools two years. I chose to take the full two years. And I remember being in some of those classes and sure, some of it was review, but it was review I felt I needed. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, if this is going to be my career, I want to know this. I want to understand this. And I remember being accused of cheating when I was in school because I actually worked at the school that I, I went to. Okay. And one of my classmates would, she was really, really, she hated me. I think like she was really out to get me. And she would complain to the administration at the school that I was cheating because I was getting, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever on all of my exams. And uh, I finally said to her one day, like two questions for you. One, if I fail, does that make you do better? If I fail, like let's say I'm cheating and I, I stop cheating and I start doing these exams on my own, are your grades improving? No. And secondly, I said, if I am cheating and I have access to all the exams because I work at this school, how is that helping me pass my OSCE? If I'm just memorizing shit that I'm stealing, right? 
how is that going to help me become a massage right. therapist? So either way, you're not doing better. And if I am cheating, I'm never going to be a therapist. The, the what un- you mad about? The unfortunate concern for us in relations to what we were talking about and, and being sad about the, <laughs> the state of quality therapists that are coming out. Whether they're cheating or not, they're passing both. They're getting through the school and they're getting through the OSCEs. So what does that have to say about us and the level of just understanding the level of uh, quality that has to happen to filter these students out? The level of information that the school or the standard that the school is holding themselves to. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, oh, well, we had 100% pass on on our graduation. Yeah, two students are graduated. Calm down. (laughs) Hold the boat, friend. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know what, you've had low-quality students that are still giving you a high rate of pass, and it's making your school look great, but the quality of the education is dismal. So they're, they're, I'm glad that the rollout is happening, but there needs to be something that's done now. The, the licensing exam should be the filtering system. It should be, but I, somehow it's not. I Honestly, I, nah, man. I think it's got it's got to come from the institution. Well, of course, well, I mean, it's of gotta, course it it's does. It's got to start there, man. Yes, of course it does. But, but if the institution isn't delivering and the student isn't getting the information that they that, should be that, getting, then, I agree with then you. they should be failing the licensing they, exam. They this is the be. point. Yes, is the I, CMTO I and the licensing exam, they are the quality assurance, right? They're the ones That's saying the standards you, that should be held to. Exactly. They're the ones saying you have the right and you can be licensed to practice. Mm-hmm. It's not the schools. The schools are just giving you a diploma. Yep. You You passed the course. Now you have to go and prove that you can be a massage therapist. And the CMTO is telling people you can be a massage therapist. And uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know what quality assurance means to them. I, I feel really bad for students who go to an institution, an educational institution, that are just failing on what they do. Because as that student, you don't know any different. You just know what that school teaches you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you hope that they're doing things that need to be done for you to be successful. Right. Like the last person that came to do an OSCE prep, she was on her last leg. She failed twice. She went to a school wherever she was living and it was out of, out, out of the city. And then when she saw me for OSCE prep, she's like, holy fuck, this is nothing that they taught me in school at all. She's like, and I thought when I failed the exams, like I really had a, a chip on my shoulder about what the CMTO was doing to me because I'm like, I'm doing everything that I, I'm supposed to be doing. And she's like, I, I, after spending four days with you, I realized my fucking school failed me. Actually, another thing she said, I don't know if she said it to you or to me, but she said, like admitted, like, no, I failed. The reason I don't have my license is I failed. I didn't do it right. Yes, it was because I wasn't taught properly, but I didn't do it right. And, and you know, I, in the I beginning it that. was yeah, in the beginning it was like, why am I failing? Why, you know, why do they hate me? I'm being discriminated, but but then it was no, I failed. Yo, yeah, if you can I appreciate people who have that um that conversation with themselves. They're introspective. Hey man, I've lost opportunities in in teaching. You know what I'm saying? I've lost opportunities because of my ego or lack of preparation or, you know, my curriculum, my um, classroom management or my instructor style were both off. The the teaching teacher student um, dynamic, I, I didn't manage that properly enough. But I, I can't blame the people who are in the class. I got to step back and say, OK, what did I do if I am the only person that's going to influence you? As you were saying, you don't know anything other than what the school teaches you. Mm -hmm. And if I'm the person that's supposed to help you understand that and I didn't do my job right, I got to step back and say, okay, man, 
what do I need to learn to be more effective in this? On a day-to-day basis, I got to ask myself, if I don't know a certain condition, if I don't know what's going on with a client, I'm not going to throw you on the table and just hope for the best. I'm probably going to go and say, okay, well, let me do a little bit more research on what's going on so I understand how I can be more effective to you. That's something I think ego has to be put aside when you work in healthcare. Mm. I don't know how this conversation became so, so serious, but it's... No, it's cool. (laughs) I I, I love it. Your ego has to be put aside. (laughs) And I've I've talked about this over and over again as well. I've made mistakes, Mm. you know, like I've had clients and my clinical impression has been wrong and I've beaten myself up about it. But the fact that I beat myself up, the fact that I care that much, or, you know, sometimes I'll have a client. I had a client on Saturday. I did all of my assessments. I was totally fucking stumped because certain things were positive and then I thought this, something else should be positive and it wasn't. And I just went to Mark and I'm like, help me. Yeah. And I, you know, I said, this is what I did. This, 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 this. I'm like, what would you think? And so he tells me his impression. I'm like, that's what I thought. But this was negative. And this, and I care that much to go above and beyond for my clients because I don't want to, as you said, I don't just want to throw them on the table and hope for the best. And to be honest with you, majority of people from the public have no idea what massage therapists do. I shouldn't say majority, but a a vast Vast amount of people have no idea what we do. And truthfully, after getting a massage, you feel good no matter what. Mm -hmm. So could I phone it in? Could I just be like, okay, get on the table and do what I do and they think that I did something great, but really I didn't do anything. Right. Of course I could, but I don't hold myself to that standard. And that's why, as I said, this conversation was getting really sad because I'm like, man, how many people don't hold themselves to any kind of standard and are just going and getting a fake ass diploma from some shady school, right. going and doing the OSCE, which apparently has gotten a little bit too easy. and Which makes you wonder how the f- how poor is the performance how much knowledge is lacking for someone who fails i think it's nerves honestly what the one of the last people that you did an oski prep for and i sat in on a few of her sessions i was even the body for her a few of her sessions i don't think that she lacked a lot of the knowledge i think it was nerves and she was getting hung up on this is what my teacher said that is performance anxiety is a very very big thing and there's a a lot of misinformation because a lot of the instructors are just going off based what the cmto says they should prepare on Mm -hmm. but what they have experienced in school you can't you can't teach somebody about your experience when it's uh, during the the registration exams when the standards continue to change mm-hmm. and they are different every single well, time. That's the thing. You have to keep up with it. And as I said, how many people knew about this focus group in February? Like right. Mark goes to all of the, I'm saying Mark because I'm not even going to pretend we both, as long as one of us is there, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we run the businesses together as of long course. as one yeah. of us shows up. But I mean, Mark reads all of the the publications that comes out. He keeps up to date with the standards. He goes to all of these meetings. You know, like he knows what's going on within the industry. But you ask some other RMTs, even ones who are in positions in schools and who are teaching future RMTs, do they have any idea about this stuff? I want to say I hope so, but let's Uh, be honest. It will come down in the longevity, the longevity of your career, the quality of your clients, the quality of your care, um, your reputation. It all falls down to how you run your practice. And it's great. It's a practice. Like we're not, we're not going to be perfect. You can do some things really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. You know, there's, there's something you're like, yo, if I had to do a cervical, uh, you know, a C-spine massage right now, I could assess the hell out of it. And I know I can really help somebody with what they got to do. If that's your, if that's your, your, your jam, go ahead. But it's a practice. 
and you're okay to mess up. Yeah, but I just and hope it's... that everybody will be able at some point to hold the mirror up to themselves and say, okay, well, am I am I as good as I could be? I had the 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 joy, and I say that sort of tongue in cheek, of going to a chiropractic association. Um, seminar which really irked me because some of the things that they were saying was very like Cairo purist <laughs> you know what i'm saying like Cairo is the only thing that you should be going to and there's yeah. no other profession that connects uh man physical mental and spiritual than Cairo. i, was like, I truly i right, truly homie. think that chiropractors are taught that way though there's some sort of like i mean i know a lot of chiropractors and i know a lot of great ones and i'm i'm friends with chiropractors but there's something about the mentality of chiropractors because they are working with the nervous system. We can heal everything. It's very it, it, so. Some of them have a very elitist mentality, and that's another conversation for them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what I walked away from there was a gentleman who was in chiropractic for over 50 years, which was already like that's dope. When people were going to jail for practicing chiropractic, you were you were helping to change your signature is on what helped to change the scope of chiropractics. That's amazing. And he said, the one thing I want to leave you guys with today is, think about it. If you were the last massage, or the last chiropractor, or the last of your profession, what would you look like 10 years from now? So that really made me step back and say, okay, that, that, that's, a, that's, a deep, that's a deep sentence. So it's really going to help you hold yourself accountable and say, all right, man, where would the profession be? What would the standard be like? What would therapists be like? What would the longevity of it past 10 years be? Would it even even survive? So there's a lot to think about as far as that concern. Um, I was going to I was gonna pivot for a minute because I remembered uh, just when we were talking about um, issues in the treatment room and, and things like that, and even the, the whole assumption, the ignorance perspective. I had, I've had some clients who assume what, they, what they're supposed to get when it comes to a massage. They'll literally walk in and it's yeah. happened to everybody. Oh, well, I just want this and this and this worked on. So, okay, well, that may not be your problem. But if that's what you want me to work on, cool. I have this one gentleman come into my treatment room, and uh, he also was Middle Eastern. Uh, no, he was European. Um, strong accent. And he was just like, I'm just going to, you know, I don't need all of this. I don't need you to assess. And I'm like, okay, cool. Get on the table, whatever. And while I'm working, he's like, well, you can go heavier. Go heavier. I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't be going heavier because I don't know what's going on. Also, I don't want any pillows. Okay, but you want me to work deeply on your calves. This is what you want me to do right now? There, There's no protection. <laughs> First of all, your feet are dead straight. And you want me to hammer through your gastrox right now. Are you sure, sir? Because I don't think that's a good idea. I let him know several times this is a good idea. And while I'm working, I'm getting the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger grunts. <laughs> while I'm working, you know what I'm saying? Get to the chopper. I'm getting all of that <laughs> while I'm working through the cabs. And while he's on the table, I've never seen this except for this guy in my life. I watched his entire foot cramp. I, I looked like he was palming something. I've never witnessed a foot cramp like that in my life. Oh, I felt them. Like, oh, oh, I'm getting cramp. Oh, and he got the cramp. And he, oh, the other one. Oh, both his feet. He had a bilateral calf cramp on the table. Oh, my God. So I'm like, you know what? The only <laughs> thing I can do right now, man, is just I'm just going to do some static contact and hope that the cramp, like, try and stretch it out. Let's, let's, just, let's just reverse what's going on. I never saw him again. <laughs> but... That just speaks to clients really just assuming that 
they they well based on their time and what they're paying. You know what I'm just gonna. Come well, that's in, the thing. It's it depends if they look at this as a treatment or a service. Absolutely, I I agree. And with that. so you know I I work I've said this before as well. I worked with a woman um, at the last clinic I worked at before I was here, and she used to say like it drove her crazy. She had been a therapist for quite some time, and she's like, why is it that we allow clients to come in and pick their services like it's a buffet menu? Yep. Like why isn't it that we do our assessment and yeah, you work together. You're not going to tell your client I'm going to do this, 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 but you work together to formulate some sort of treatment plan that's going to actually benefit them. Benefit them. However, exactly. it is it has become where your clients come in and it's you know I just want my back worked on, or I just and you know what? sure that that is your right, but why not listen to the therapist if you are paying? You know, as you said, if their attitude is if I'm paying for this, I get what I want. Well, if you're paying for this, why not listen to the professional who is trained to do this job because in, in in one other profession do you tell people how to do their job i think that's part of the dialogue i think in when your client comes in and when they say this kind of stuff it's got to be one of the first things that you say like okay is this something that you are always dealing with oh yeah my neck and my shoulders mm -hmm. and my back okay mm -hmm. it, then what i would suggest is if we can work on your back we can take care of that but if we are not addressing what the problem is, you're going to keep coming in for the same thing every single time. As yeah, I don't I don't have this problem. I don't ever feel like I'm my gonna, clients are telling me what to do. But I'm it does... I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. Hmm? Go. Maybe I don't trust you as a... Or I don't see you as a regulated healthcare professional. Well, maybe I, I don't that, trust you. But that's exactly but, how but, I started but, but this. Maybe it's, maybe it's not about, like, I see you as servicey. Maybe it's just... I just don't think you understand medically what's going on. Then that's an opportunity to educate. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same thing as seeing someone as servicey. Whether... It's a little different. I mean, it, it's not different in the sense that the person coming in either looks at this as the person I'm going to see is a professional and knows what they're doing and I'm going to listen to what they have to say. It doesn't matter what the reason is. If the person is not trusting you, then... Yeah, you're not going to be able to work together and create a no, treatment No, maybe plan. it's trusting your skill, but not trusting your ability to figure out what's going on. You probably have people that come to you say, my physio says I have this. You should work oh, on yeah, this. Oh, yeah, of course I've had. I mean, my chiro says I have this. That. You should work. This is what my doctor says. So it's not, not a mistrust in your skill, but a mistrust in your ability. You're talking about for the people who don't want to be assessed and yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, I'm sure we've all had those scenarios. I had uh, one of my first clients ever. So, I mean, I'd probably only ever treated like three people before him as RMT. And he came in and said, I have a supraspinatus tendonitis, but I'm already seeing somebody for that. So when you're working on me, can you please stay away from my right supraspinatus? Okay. Does that bother you? Um, at that point, since I was so fresh out of school and I felt like I know everything and I want to practice and I want to, you know, I want to use the stuff I was just taught at that moment, I was like, wow, like, aren't I supposed to be doing something for this at this point? Does that bother me? Um, it depends on the tone, you know, like, so I've had, I've had clients who come in, um, you know, I had a patellar tendonitis. And I was see, getting physio for it and whatever. But the reason I came to you today is because I'm having headaches because of neck tension. I just want you to focus on that. Don't even touch my knee. Like, does that bother me? No. It, it really depends on the delivery, I guess. 
And I do believe that clients do have a right to get whatever type of treatment they want. They have a right to any type of care they want. Right. So if somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm suffering from this, 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 and this, but I only want you to do this, 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 I'll do exactly as Omar said. I will give my recommendation. I will educate to the best of my ability. And if they're still saying, I only want this, your call, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force you to, to get to to get care that I know that you may need. Oh yeah. You, you are you are gonna come in and get what you pay for. Well, exactly. It's like when I... my doctor tells me, you know, it's flu shot season. I'm like, cool for everybody else. Yeah. They can educate me. They can tell me what their recommendation is. I'm not getting the flu shot. Case closed. So I can understand it from that side. Being a patient, there's certain, you know, when I go to the dentist and he says, you need seven x-rays. I'm like, nope, just clean my teeth. Thanks. Right. Like, you know, you just, I'm not you, gonna, yeah, you I'm have not gonna... the power to do that. It's, I guess, more in our industry because of the fact that I, th- I think RMTs are a little sensitive too, because I, I, I there's people so. who, yeah. you know, there's people like I said this on the podcast that we're going to be actually probably just pu- publishing tomorrow. Um, I won't say what it's about. It'll be a surprise. Mm. But I did say that. <sighs> I no longer feel the need to defend my profession. You know, like I, I'm a little disappointed, I guess, with the quality of the education and maybe of the exams. And I'm a little disappointed in that I I don't feel the need to defend my, maybe it's not my profession, myself in my profession. I, I know agree. my skills. I know what I do. And I know that my clients know the value that I bring to them. Gotcha. So as long as I continue to practice that way, I no longer get offended when someone's like, oh, you're a massage therapist. So, you know, you, you know, work so, in a dimly lit room playing Enya with. So let me, <laughs> let right. me, let me, let me uh, I'm, I'm devil's advocate today. Let me ask you a question then, because I don't know if you guys realize this, but there's like this whole movement of, are you guys, are you in any of the Facebook massage groups? Uh, nope, just the RMTAO. There's a whole movement of massage therapists that are, they are, it appears, it feels like that they're taking a very elitist mentality. It also feels like they don't even want to be massage therapists anymore, but anyway, carry on. About being all about evidence-based practice and... You do woo work, you do energy work, you do cranial sacral, you do reflexology, all bullshit. It's not grounded in science. What I, I'm so curious as to where you guys stand on that. Because it is a huge, I don't know if it's huge, I can't say that. There's a there's a handful of, of therapists, there's probably more than a handful, but nonetheless... It's a slow movement that feels like it's growing and growing and growing. And they're not nice about it, by the way. They're really not. They're really not nice about it. That's the only problem I have about it. They're really not nice about it. I understand where you're coming from. You're trying to make waves. You're trying to to, to change, make changes in the industry for what you feel is better. But they're not nice about it. Um, if I can address that, I, I think we have to be very careful, uh, specifically because there are a number of different pillars in massage therapy that we we've got a balance that make us who we are. So, you know, yes, there's the clinical component and understanding what we do and the effect on the body. There is the professional aspect and how we conduct ourselves um, and uphold ourselves with a high standard of practice within practice, outside of the practice and within the province. And then there's the uh, relationship aspect. So how we are fostering and developing those relationships with our clients, respecting the treatment space for them, 
creating environments that are safe and that are um, trusting for them and comfortable. You have to have all three. If you focus on one, you're going to end up missing out on the other ones. And this is where you have, let's say, a doctor who's got poor bedside manner. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to die in six months, but he just, there's there's no compassion. Yes, you have to remove yourself, but you got to be able to have that human side. Some people would say, mm, well, not really. Do I have to have a compassionate side if someone's coming in and I'm working on um, post-lumpectomy scarring? I say yes, because uh, yeah, okay, well, you've had a lump removed from your breast and it's just about working on that manual tissue and getting everything to open up and getting your, your range of motion. But I'll tell you, it's, well, let's talk about breast being the symbol of what women recognize as a part of their femininity. That's a big deal. You lose that. You alter that. You change that. You're changing how the individual perceives themselves, how they are worried about how men or how other partners are going to perceive them as a woman with their clothes off, how they see themselves as, as beautiful or value themselves as sexy if they don't feel that way after having a huge scar post-surgically. You need to understand what's going on with the individual on the inside, aside from what's going on with how you approach them and how you approach the the concern that you're working on itself. What's interesting is the people that are all about this evidence-based practice wouldn't disagree with you there because there is a lot of evidence in um, you know, the psycho aspect of treatment. It's more on the fact that if something doesn't have solid peer-reviewed research behind it, they're discrediting it without even, without even like thinking any, without even questioning it. You know, it's just, oh, there's no evidence behind it. I'm, I'm going to get a little bit deeper just because <laughs> one of my uh, professors, um, Roland Van Oostveen, he's actually um, on the, well, like the guy behind U, UOIT. And he is phenomenally well spoken when it comes to just research in general. But when we start asking just the, the big question, like, what is truth? How do you know that something is true? It's very difficult because you have to be able to, you have to be able to say, okay, well, it's come from a credible source. Okay, well, where did that source get its source? Mm-hmm. So as long as you have a number of sources that can back up what you're saying, then it, it should be true. But how do we genuinely know that this is one evidence-based uh, or at least the direction uh, on the evidence. Two, who has challenged this? And right. three, are you open to understanding that there are other ways of being able to deal with this concern? Is Which this they the are be not. all and end all? And that this therein lies the problem. If yes. you already have a fixed agenda, you are you are you're directing a narrative instead of being open to growth. Mm-hmm. You're trying to steer it down a particular path. And I have no problem steering us towards a higher quality um, or a higher level of respect based on what we do. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that we are looking at all of the other pillars that have to be respected and and grow with those and make sure that all of those are being respected. But as far as evidence-based, yes, I do believe that there is a lot of benefit um, practicing evidence-based. But there are a lot of aspects that you cannot you cannot measure a lot, especially when it comes to how a client feels after a treatment. Well, and this is this is my problem with it. So, I mean, you asked what are do I feel the need to defend what I do to these people? No, because Omar just said it. They have a fixed agenda. They've made up their mind. Mm-hmm. So I don't 
I don't see the need in having a debate with somebody who's not come to debate. They've come to argue. Right. I don't, there's no point. So I don't need to defend what I do in my practice. And I've said this over and over and over again. Anecdotal evidence is still important to me. Subjective information is still important to me. And even though something might not have solid peer-reviewed research behind it, it doesn't mean that it is invalid. Has nobody done the research? Is there no funding to do the research? Is there nobody willing to do it? And again, you can find credible sources that say anything. You know, why is there so much controversy within healthcare? It, you know, because you can you can create a study to support any claim. So as much as I want to be behind evidence-based practice because I want to imp- improve the standard to which all of us practice, why are we so quick to dismiss something that maybe doesn't have the research behind it? Well, maybe... <laughs> I don't I just don't think that that's the answer. Like I feel the way they go about it is just a little too aggressive for me and I'm not going to even get into a discussion with it. I I don't know much about this group. I'm curious to see uh to see who they are and I, there's I mean, there's I there's a couple groups but they but but they're it, it's actually really funny because it feels like it's a conversation that happens with the same fucking five people over and over and over again and it's just like they're feeding into themselves the same thing over and over and i I, I would love to learn from them no problem i'm sure there's there's something to learn but you 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 yeah you can't be linear in 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 growth and exactly well this is the problem is some of the the research and the articles they post i 100 agree with and i think this is this is good quality research that's been done and i i don't disagree with the studies the problems i have is they read one study that says one thing and then if anything is slightly outside of the the realm of that study they they just post the link to the study like no 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 read this read this so they're shooting down people's courses they're attacking people who are trying to teach therapists something you know some new tools because they say well this isn't backed in evidence and i just yeah i don't i don't and see the what kills of it. me is your massage therapists like you don't real don't you realize the rest of the medical community looks at you the way you're looking at other therapists? Right. Like it, it's it, up. it blows my mind. Yeah. yeah, it totally blows my mind. And and we're we're colleagues. What we should be doing is trying to support each other and say, okay, well, if you have a perspective, let us understand the perspective, and again, let's be open to challenging it, but in a way and in a forum that is productive and constructive. Right. Right, you know. that's what I mean. It is it a debate or is it an argument? Because I'm not, I'm not. I got the energy, man. I, look, no, I, I, I already can't. have enough problems managing people's <laughs> energy in a clinic than to be talking to some asshole who decided to watch Doctor Who and fucking read some evidence based shit and feel like he's the Sherlock Holmes of massage therapy. <laughs> Eat several dicks, my friend. Straight up, I ain't got the time for it. To be honest, that's what it kind of feels like. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Well, but what do I know? We've all got our own kids to deal with. Can't deal with them. Yeah, I'm just, I'm over it. <laughs> you it. haven't even read it yet. You're over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already over it. Yeah, but I've 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 had to deal with those types of egos, and I know how to be able to approach them and to be able to say, okay, do I engage or do I not engage? Because I I, I do want to make sure that when I'm coming at them, I'm coming at them from a very, I'm coming at them from an educated approach. Not coming at them, but I'm coming into the the forum openly. And see what their response and their approach is. And if exactly. I find that their approach is not appropriate or it's like it's not conducive to 
learning, then I'm like, all right, well, you're fixed on your opinion. You're fixed on what you believe is true. I don't believe that this is helping either of us at this point, but that thanks for the opportunity. You do you. Yeah, yeah. straight up. And that, hey, man, if, if 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 I can learn from this, cool. But if I'm not learning, I, I can walk away. I'm an adult. I don't I don't have to sit around and get angry and get pissed off you and ruffle my up. own feathers because of some fucking jerk off who, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, who wants to really just get angry about massage therapists <laughs> and feel like he's on like what the. Uh, you know, you you are in the UN of massage therapists. You are not. <laughs> Stop it. Cut, cut the cut the nonsense. Open, well, that's, openness that's... is exactly it. Like, if you believe that your way is the only way, and if you believe that everything you think to be true is ab is the absolute truth, and you're not willing to listen to anybody else, you're not educated enough for me uh, to have a conversation this? with. I'm gonna take it a step further. If you feel like everything that you possess is the right way then you should be running the CMTO. And if you are not, then please have several seats. Because I do not. You should be on the council or the board for massage therapists somewhere. And if you are not, then then calm down, man. Straight up. Like, make sure that you understand your profession and understand how to be able to get everybody to a certain level. Not on your level, but to a level that everybody has a collective agreement or a collective understanding of how the profession should run. Mm -hmm. Period. So interesting. Because I'm, I'm, I, I really like, I'm a fan of generally of disruption models, generally. But I don't know, something about this approach doesn't sit right with me. Well, it's exactly as I, I said Man, I can't give I can't say this without giving away the surprise podcast. Um, but it's something that I said on the surprise podcast about it's it's almost like Mean Girls. Like you can I say just, it. That will air before this does. Yeah. So we. Yeah. Exactly. What am I saying? We uh we did a recording yesterday about what's going on in the insurance industry, specifically with Green Shield and their campaign, which really came across as a RMT smear campaign to remove massage therapy from their benefits. This? I am not. I actually heard yesterday. Side note: for the first time that Sun Life um, allows a rating, a rating system. system. A rating system. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that. We checked ourselves out. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, what Green Shield's doing is they're trying to remove massage therapy from their benefit packages by um, really just degrading our entire profession. We won't get into it now because it's too much to explain, but you can research it. You can listen to the podcast. Absolutely. I've explained yeah. everything that goes on there. But one thing I talked about is it's it's never a good idea to try to teach people things by being condescending by making them realize that everything that they thought to be true or everything that they've been doing has been a waste of time or there's been no value or everything has been wrong. So these people who are really pushing evidence-based practice, I would be 100% behind them because my brain works in science. I, you know, I'm not somebody who, although, you know, I really do enjoy philosophy, but I, I'm really more geared towards science and evidence and proof. And I, I, I respect that and I would be so on board with them if it didn't feel that they were pushing their agenda by putting down everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, the minute somebody spoke about reflexology, they were all up in arms about like zone theory has never been proven. There's no evidence. There's, you know, there's conflicting ideas about what the proper zones are and this and this. And I mean, I do reflexology. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend it, but as I'm listening to them say this, I'm like, well, you just you just sound ridiculous to me. You're deciding that reflexology should be thrown out 
and you know they I think they even uh, said that they almost said like shame on me for promoting something that was like like hokey pokey kind of you know and I was like all right cool you see and now I want to be the girl who dressed up in 18,000 layers to walk to her class and not be bothered by any of this (laughs) (laughs) that's I want to be the guy who doesn't have to put his fucking phone in a case and not be bothered but see but see that's a that's a choice. I'm, I'm telling you that. No, you don't have to be jealous. I'm telling you that because when we first met, I felt that you were that person and I felt I was the other way. I was like hyper type A in certain areas. And even to the point where I see this in my daughter, actually, if I didn't know something, I was too afraid to admit I didn't know it and to ask for help because I had this persona of like uh, this, I you know, I know everything and I'm it. And I realized later in life, like, wow, you're fucking stupid because it shows a lot more intelligence to say, yeah, I have no idea. And I mean, on this podcast, people might actually, you know, go back and listen to some episodes. I don't know a hell of a lot. I ask a lot of questions, basic questions, but I'm okay with doing that now. And it is a choice. Like I've now become the person that is much, I'm much more relaxed and much happier to just go through life being okay with, you know, even telling my clients, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm going to try to find out. And if I can't, I will refer you to someone who can help you. Like I'm 100% okay with saying that because as you said, it's a practice and I'm not perfect. I actually have a sweatshirt. Thank you, Earth Kisses Guy, if you're listening, <laughs> that says fuck being perfect on it. Yeah. And I love I it. I love Earth Kisses Guy. I love them and I love the clothes. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to have to start looking up these uh, these blogs just to, just, just to know what I'm... Uh, what is affecting our profession? What's her- affecting the horizon you know, of our you, profession? You know what? You feel like that when you when you get into it and you start reading, and then you realize there are fourteen thousand massage therapists in Ontario, and this is a Canada wide group that has three thousand people in it. In other words, this is just the small group of people that are just talking. Yeah, to you themselves. look at the sample size and you realize. Right. Yeah, this is not this is not the entire profession. Right. And so again, there's you can either look at it like Mark where it haunts his dreams or me sitting here with my feet up on the couch. It, it I don't give a shit. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't haunt my dreams. I don't I don't know what it does to me. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what it does cuz I don't really care but then I do sometimes it makes you care. Bury people. But I don't really care. I want to know what it does to me. Yeah. I don't know what it I like I like I'm undefined with how I feel. You know what though? I, I like it. It shows that because I mean, we joke about on the podcast all the time. How You're like, ah, I don't care. You know, we talked about the unprofessional hour with Natasha. If we won millions of dollars, I said I would continue working because I love what I do. You're like, nah, if I get, I'm out of here. I know that that's not true. I know you actually care way more than you ever care to show because you spend hours looking at these groups, looking what people are saying, researching stuff. And we sit here night after night recording podcasts with different therapists talking about all of these things. She just ruined my rep right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be a miserable asshole. Leave me alone. (laughs) He was way happier like a decade ago. (laughs) He's really, really like growing into that like grumpy old West Indian I'm embracing that. <laughs> to be honest, well, I mean that's that's a rite of passage. I mean, yeah, exactly. when you're West Indian, you're gonna get you're gonna get miserable. It's right. Happens. But I, I think, um, especially when you've been in the profession for as long as we have, and, and I, I can I believe I can safely say that we've all been in it for over a decade. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not there yet. Okay. 
but but I think just you know the more the at least for myself the more I get into practice, the more I start looking at you know the types of pardon me the types of energy that I take not only from my day but the value that I take from every experience, and do I really love what I do, and does the value that I take also add to my life? And I can still say yes. You know, I had somebody come in um, this summertime who was a visiting doctor from New Orleans, but he's originally from India. And uh, I was, you know, he just said, oh, just, again, work on my neck, my back, whatever, whatever. And of course, standards in the U.S. are way different than they are here. Completely different. That's like the Taco Bell of massage therapy. You know what I'm saying? For real. Um, (laughs) We have a lot of U.S. listeners. (laughs) <laughs> but a good because they they should understand if you if you know that there the highest standard that you will ever have even when we were doing hours based was I believe twelve to fourteen hundred hours in any province in the U.S. at any time most of them are six to six to eight hundred hours yeah mm-hmm. they um, know that every, every, yeah, everyone everyone that. that we've had on before like like Scott Lindquist he's like yeah we know what you guys do there's way more medical than what we right. do down and I'm here. not I'm not punking off massage therapists to say that you don't know anything what yeah. I'm saying is if I know that the standard, if the standard is very different, people are going to have a very different expectation when they get here, which is what that doctor did when he came. So when mm-hmm. I didn't, when I offered an assessment on what was going on with his neck, he was like, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, with the treatment, he's like, what do you mean by treatment? It's like, well, if I'm doing an assessment to figure out what the problem is, and I'm going to be offering a treatment based on that, if I'm just going to th- throw you on the table, that's just a massage. Mm-hmm. It's like, interesting. So while he was on the table, we were talking about him and his journey in doing surgeries. He worked specifically with cervical um, cancer within the neck and was talking about how beautiful the neurosurgery is and being able to actually isolate, you know, the carotid versus, you know, just looking at at the arteries and everything in the neck. And it just, it was, it was a great conversation. Mm -hmm. And he actually had some value to say, okay, well, you know, once you have this issue with the vagus nerve, you have a problem with the scapula dropping and not a lot of support. So I'm trying to think about, you know, what type of device I want to create to help people who've had these surgeries. And I offered him some advice. He's like, you know what, I think I'm going to keep in touch with you because that's a perspective that I never thought about. So it was like, you know what, I'm glad that he was open to listening to the expertise that I had and the understanding that it's not just I'm rubbing some muscles on the table to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. I do understand neuro. I understand what happens if this whole nerve root is affected and all the muscles that are going to be sh- literally shut off and what other things are going to happen with the body in terms of a, a compensatory pattern. So it, it felt good. So there's, there's the value that I will learn and I can also teach and I can walk away knowing that he has a greater respect, not only for me, but in terms of what massage therapy looks like as a profession here. I only wish massage therapy as a profession looked like you guys. <laughs> I, just, I just, I don't think it does. I'm, I'm still, hey man, I, I, I'm, I've got enough humility to say that I know that I'm still working on, I, I want to, you know, be like Oz. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to be the big headed green dude who has all the answers. I'd like to do that. And I, I aspire to just keep myself around people who are like you. And I'm thankful for today. Thank you. Um, that, that have respect for the profession and still are curious about all the aspects from learning to the hands-on to the direction of the profession to how we view ourselves to how clients view us. And it, it's, it's I, I appreciate it. Yeah. We might have to chop this episode into two. Yeah, Three of us cool. have been talking for a long time. So, uh, you guys, you got anything else, Omar? Anything else to 
talk um, about? Man, I'm, honestly, I feel like I could, I could, I could talk stories. We've got 14 years of. Practice. Oh yeah, no, no, we're we're having you back, sir. We're gonna do a proper unprofessional hour. Oh, I'm down. Yeah, I'm so down. Like this was a a really kind of cool industry rap. Uh, I enjoyed Monday this. night rap. Yeah, as did I. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a couple things like that that really shaped um, my profession. In uh, in that you know even just just why I'm still in it. I had one client who I literally get goosebumps about every time I think about her. That really made me sort of say, "All right, this is this is where I belong." So yeah, if we can if, if we can sit down again, we definitely want to have you yeah, back. For sure. Before we wrap this right now, one quick story. Uh, that job that Omar and I did together when we first met, mm-hmm. uh, I will never forget this. This is the day that I decided like we're going to keep in touch. I see I see this this going somewhere um some guy got all creepy i was uh treating somebody on a massage chair and i wasn't dressed inappropriately i had a t-shirt on and yoga pants and some guy not knowing who omar was or that we knew each other went up to him and said hey check that girl out you see those the legs on that girl and he said yeah i see them and i bet her husband and her children appreciate them too keep walking (laughs) yes for real yep (laughs) absolutely Right All right. Thanks for hanging out, brother. It's been a good time. Good rap. And uh, we'll have you back again. We'll hit up the unprofessional hour, get into the backstory. Sounds good? Yeah. Right on. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. I'm Mark. I'm Amanda. And I was Omar Lunin. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>